2: Hello, my fellow Westorians. It's another Saturday stream, spoiler-filled, where we talk about the next episode and what's to come in the season. Anything goes. We also cover a little bit of what we missed last time. So the name of this coming episode is...
1: The Princess and the Queen. Yeah, there it is. Or the Blacks and... (laughs)
2: There we go. (laughs) That, if you may have recognized that voice, that is Ian Glenn, aka Jorah Mormont, who was the narrator for the original publication of The Princess and the Queen. The Princess and the Queen has now been subsumed or consumed, or whichever word you want to use, by the World of Ice and Fire. I I believe every word in The Princess and the Queen is in World of Ice and Fire. I I forget if there's like a, a few sentences different, but it's pretty much all there. Same with the Rogue Prince. The Rogue Prince is a separate thing that became part of the World of Ice and Fire. Today, to help us discuss this excellent coming episode as well as some other fun topics is Kavita how you doing
0: I'm doing well thanks for having me Kavita on Kavita
2: Mudan Finn right that's your that's your full name did I say it right that's correct all right cool mm-hmm. <laughs> and tell us about who you are and um what your uh, your knowledge is and how let's let us set up this oh, discussion that we're gonna have today you're a medievalist right
0: I am. I'm a medievalist and an early modernist. Strictly speaking, nice. I work on uh, kind of. I work on medieval stuff. I work on early modern stuff. I work on Shakespeare. Um, I also work on popular medievalism. Mm-hmm. So I have actually edited a book on the original Game of Thrones. Nice. Um, I've written a bunch of articles about A Song of Ice and Fire. Um and the book that I just finished that just came out a couple of weeks ago has a chapter on a song of ice and fire, but also talks about a bunch of other um relatively contemporary fantasy books, uh including the Devabad trilogy, which Ooh. I love. Yeah, you know I'm a fan. Um, too. and also the priory, the yeah. priory of the orange tree, which is also wonderful. Yeah. So lots of good stuff in there. Yeah,
3: I love both of those books. I can recommend them as well and I have. So yes, that that's a, a great read to pick up. And you've also been covering the series on your word on your WordPress blog though, too, right?
0: I have. Yes. I, uh, I do recaps once a week for each episode. Um, they tend to focus very much on Rhaenyra and Alicent because queenship and, uh, feminist, uh, historiography is kind of my thing. It's my wheelhouse. It's one of, it's what I did my PhD on. So I tend to kind of focus in on those. If you want uh kind of military stuff, I am not the person, (laughs) but if you want, court intrigue, history, weird stuff like that and lots and lots of talking about feminism, that's uh, that's what I do.
2: Well that is absolutely right down the middle for what this not just this season but this episode is bringing and a lot of the discourse around it so that is that is really perfect.
3: You've also done a little bit of uh podcasting about our flag means death which I bring oh. up because I've got an <laughs> Our Flag Means Death shirt on in honor of that. Uh,
0: what a great show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yes, that's right. It is a fantastic show. And I am part of a podcast called The Shipping Cast. <laughs> um, we have been... yeah Yeah, it's a good name we were originally the shipping forecast but then we found out there was already a podcast called the shipping forecast so we had to change it (laughs) but we are now the shipping cast and um we have a couple of episodes out Mm -hmm. but we
3: are hoping to get some more out soon you got some time before season two comes out yeah (laughs) exactly
2: (laughs) that's fantastic okay well we're gonna definitely cover a lot of the things you mentioned that are are already in your area of expertise Certainly, the the idea that I think a lot of people are curious about in the real world is, how did it work out at courts when a king, or I guess a queen, I don't know if that's happened nearly as often, but a king with who has children with multiple wives, and how does, what when they're living together, that seems like, ooh, I mean, I wouldn't want to live with in-laws. I think a lot of people, there's jokes about not wanting to live with your mother-in-law or your your kids, someone else's kids, so... It seems like it'd be a lot trickier when there's a throne yeah. <laughs> at stake and dragons and all that other stuff. But yeah, so we'll get into that. That's gonna be that's gonna be a lot of fun. A couple of things to take care of first. Uh, you can always, of course, catch our Monday episodes and Saturday episodes and any other episode on live on YouTube, excepting the very few that aren't live when we record them. You can catch the replays on YouTube or Spotify, all the video action is there, or you can catch the podcast replay versions anywhere you get podcasts like Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes, Google Play, etc., all that good stuff. You know how to find us. You can also submit questions. You can send them ahead of time. If you are on Patreon, you can send them to us through there. You can hit us up on Discord or on Facebook in our Facebook group. It's almost 3,500 members in in our Facebook group now. Lots of great discussions happening there. And, of course, you can always just send us an email, History at gmail.com. We had a cool, uh, a r- highly recommended, by the way, behind the scenes on Drift Market to see the close up of the treasures of the sea snake. And you can see the crab feeders mask among those. That's something yeah. that I missed from last week. So it's just sitting there, there on a little is. pedestal. Yeah, there it the is. One of the many treasures, yeah, how about yeah. that? Um, so the question was, how are yeah. you so- preparing for the, the actor swap and to tell us about that interview that you said you love so much?
0: so uh, I just read it this morning, and I only had the chance to read it once but um basically what one of the things that really drew them to the role of Rhaenyra was this kind of gen not quite gender dysphoria but kind of this this weird space that Rhaenyra occupies between uh being the heir, which is very much a male coded um Role and being the, um, uh, and being the daughter, being a stepdaughter to Allison, um, and also just being a woman, the way that everybody is treating her. Um, and Emma Darcy, I think, is very kind of cognizant of the fact that they're stepping into, um, a role that Millie Alcock really has made her own, um, <laughs> in the first half. And also, one of the things I think that, uh, that Emma Darcy acknowledges is that, um Rhaenyra, when we meet her again, is a very different character than when we left her. Because um, the, uh, if we think about the end of the last episode, it's that that absolutely heartbreaking tableau of Rhaenyra and Laenor getting married. Um, Laenor is so unhappy, and there's tears streaming down his face. Rhaenyra is also clearly unhappy. She doesn't know what's going on. She doesn't know why. Everything has gone so horribly wrong.
2: Now, as far as some other things we missed last week, Hobart Hightower had an interesting line uh, wither, he said to to Allison. He said that she would wither or was worried that she would wither. Ho
3: bear. Ho bear, yes. Sorry.
2: We love calling him Ho bear. (laughs) And this is a nice little reference to Laris and the Bravos plant, which I think is the real, in the real world, that's a hibiscus? But he calls it, like, Malava or something else. I don't know. Anyway, Kavita, we're talking about Hobert, your favorite. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Hobert. Hobert. <laughs>
2: yeah, so that was a nice little moment there, the the wither. That's a nice little uh, under-the-radar mention there. Vaymond and Hobert, also Hobert as well, don't <laughs> clap when the line, the second age of dragons is is pointed out. So there's at least two people that aren't so excited about that two relatively important people, especially Hobert. I mean, he's the lord of the High Tower. That's, that's a bit more than the Master of Complaints, which is Sir sort of only title at this point.
3: Yeah, he's just a seer, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: Poor guy. <laughs> I really can't believe I missed the line f- between Rainier and Lenor. I was never much for dancing. It's not much different to combat, like, oh. How did I miss that? We didn't cite that line. That's obviously dancing, mm-hmm. dance of the dragons, combat. Yeah, the old dying of the, the old, what's that line? That <laughs> we find the dying of the dragons would be more appropriate, but. <laughs> but uh More poetic, uh, yeah. the poetic well
0: and the dance that they were doing actually <laughs> yeah. had like this fen- these fencing moves right in the oh. middle of it whereas they're sort of faux they're they're fake fencing with each other yeah, and it was i actually loved that bit yeah and it, it was right, like right after that a line
3: prehistoric uh bird dance is what they said the inspiration was to make it seem like an actual bird dance, dance <laughs> of the dragons like a mating uh, dance of dragons was the inspiration The like weird yeah
0: <laughs> that's pretty cool i wonder if we're actually going to see a mating dance
2: of dragons <laughs> <laughs> We're also really wondering where Damon went during the brawl. Like, he seemed to have vanished. Rainero was there, and then she was still there, and Damon wasn't. Because he had been you know, grabbing her face right before things broke out. So. My best guess is he just ran off with Lena because that's where he's going to end up now. <laughs> but uh, It's typical of the year of the Red Spring that things would go a little wrong. But yeah. that, that is the, what we're covering today uh, in the episode tomorrow. They'll be covering the year of the Red Spring, which is the most momentous probably year before the dance. And there's a lot of big events that happen, but as of, of, of far as years where the most happens, I would call it this one. It's the year 120. So what makes that so interesting is that the show has been zooming forward, right? It's, it takes big time jumps, none bigger than this one, obviously. But now, uh, because there's so many events that are spread out that they want to cover and they don't want to do, you know, 30 episodes building up to uh, the year 129 or building up uh-huh. to the war. They got to skip around a bit. Yeah. So, instead, but this year, there's so much in the year 120, the year of the Red Spring, that they actually probably have to space it out a bit. (laughs) For example, let's just go real quickly in book canon what goes through, or what happens in the year 120. The death of Lena and of course her child. The death of Laenor. Now, mm, this one might be next episode. We'll see about that. But I I figure this is not unlikely to be next episode, but it could be this one. Death of Lionel (coughs) and Harwin. Aemon claiming Vagar, which is also probably next episode. Damon and Rhaenyra marry, still in the same year. That's almost certainly next episode. That would be an awful lot to pack into this one. And given that, Damon and Rhaenyra won't have Aegon the younger this episode, future Aegon the third, which does technically also happen in the year 120, though, in the book. So, wow, that's a lot for one year. Uh, so, you can see why they probably won't do it all, even though they're trying to move pretty quickly. We do get the birth of Joffrey, Joffrey, uh, of course, Valerian and in honor of Joffrey Lonmouth. <laughs> which is kind of a neat, like, connecting point. We're jumping forward 10 years from the death of Joffrey to the birth of Joffrey, though, so it's kind of a neat little connecting point there. Not the biggest character, but he's kind of honored in that moment by... Yeah,
3: it's funny, because in, in the little preview we saw of Joffrey, he still has the, the blood on him uh, from being born. Oh, yeah. very fitted. you know, again, like, we, we leave one Joffrey and, and bloody in death and join one Joffrey bloody in birth, um, basically. And from book
2: canon, we know that Lainor wanted to name the first one Joffrey and the second one Joffrey. Presumably not if the first one had been born Joffrey. He didn't want to name all Joffreys. <laughs> so he's like, I want all my sons, I want five George, Joffreys. He's going the
3: George Foreman route, <laughs> yeah, right? he's
2: going the George Foreman route, the Joffrey <laughs> Foreman route. <laughs> but... They were, they were like, no, not the first one. That one's going to be the king. You know, let's go with, let's go with a traditional name. So Jakaris. And then they were like, the second one, they're like, well, you know, we need a spare. This one's going to be the Lord of Driftmark. So let's go with, okay, Luke Lucerys. Luceris. I, I wonder, is it going to be Luceris or Luceris? Yeah.
3: How are they going to say? Um, that is my question. Yeah. How are they going to say Jaceres, Luceres?
2: So, one, one thing we mentioned real briefly while you were, while you were off was the naming of Joffrey. How, Oops. how we're going from the death of Joffrey to the birth of Joffrey, which is kind of a nice mm-hmm. little touchdown there. Now, as far as, yeah, and the, of course, the reason that the firstborn wasn't Joffrey or the secondborn was because they wanted to have these traditional names. In, say, yeah. medievalist time, or medievalist, medieval times, was that a really important thing? Carol? obviously, we hear like, lots of monarchs that have carrying a name a dozen or 15 times or 20 times. Is that how important was that to have, was that seen as a mark of stability or was it just a a way to honor your ancestors or both? Or what what do you think?
0: Yes. And no, I mean, it really depended on the monarchy because if you look at something like uh, in England, um, they tended to switch around Mm. as a rule. Like you didn't, you every now and again you'll get like a string of henry's or a string <laughs> of edwards or whatever but it doesn't it's not usually how it goes okay. that tends to denote uh actually like upheaval oh. if you end up with a whole string of kings that have the same name that usually indicates that some shit went <laughs> and they were trying to paper it over really? so that it looked more stable than it actually was oh. um like for instance um in the early 14th century, um, we late 13th, early 14th, we have Edward I, Edward II, Edward III.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Edward I, big crusading king, macho guy. Uh, if you ever saw the Mel Gibson movie, Braveheart, yeah. he's like, they do a really, they they kind of, they make him a lot meaner than perhaps he necessarily was. I don't know how bad he actually was. He might've actually been that bad, but, um, like they make him just this absolute awful, like, villain. Yeah. Very Titan Lannister esque. Mm-hmm. Um, and Edward the second was his son. Edward the second was well, probably gay. We don't know for certain. Obviously, we can't be we can't be a hundred percent sure. Uh possibly gay, possibly bi. Either way, he had a string of male favorites. And mm. Ultimately, even though he did have he he was married, he did have children, mm. but he did also have this string of male favorites, and there was all of this bad publicity about his love life. Mm. And eventually, uh, he was deposed and replaced by his son, uh. Uh, and his son was Prince Edward, who became Edward the uh. Third, um, and. Edward III then went on to try and conquer France. Yeah. So, like, you have kind of these these three Edwards, and then there are no Edwards for another hundred years. Oh. Um, before suddenly there's one, and then there's one, and then there's an attempt at a second, and then there are no more again for
1: another <laughs> year. So attempted Edward. Th-
0: there are these names that come into fashion and then they go away. Okay. Like, for instance. I don't think it's at all a coincidence that there are no Henrys after Henry VIII. <laughs>
1: <laughs>
2: there are no Henrys. Yeah,
0: they, They're like, no, we're done. We are done with Henrys. I,
2: I called it the very mildest of spoilers that Danny's Brother is named Viserys because if Viserys had been really badly remembered, there wouldn't be any more Viserys, You know, even though he's calling himself third of his name, he's not really king. But you know, yeah. (laughs) Magor, there were no
0: more Magors, right? No, there's no more Magor after that. There's no more Rhaenyras either. Mm, You don't get any girls named Rhaenyra. That's
3: true. That's true. That's
2: true. -hmm. I don't see a lot of Alicents either. Now that Uh, now that uh, you uh, mentioned it,
0: there's some Alicenes, but there's no Alicent. True.
2: There are a few demons, though, but those were a little uh, intentionally uh, provocative. So yeah, yeah,
0: you're right. That was <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Damon Blackfire was a hundred percent on purpose. Yeah, that like, was like, yeah,
2: I know yeah. who I'm making you think of. <laughs> and it at worked.
0: that point, it's not even that far in the past oh. either, because it's Dana who was like Damon's
3: yeah. grand granddaughter. Yeah, was, right. Yeah, only a, yeah, yeah, only a few generations removed. Yes. That's right. Yeah,
2: it's really it's really close. Yeah, it really kicks into that era right after. Yeah, you got Viserys the second, you got Daron the first and Aegon the Unworthy right uh, right after Viserys the second, yeah. So mm hmm. Well we'll talk about some of that more in a minute. Let's talk about Pentos first. We've we've been in the stepstones. But really, that was just beaches and rocks and fighting. We haven't really been to any overseas settlements yet. Don't forget
0: the crabs. The crabs. crabs. Ah, Never
2: forget the crabs. Those delicious, delicious crabs.
0: All you can eat crab buffet. If you don't eat them,
2: they'll eat you. That's the lesson that we learned. (laughs) <laughs> and so we haven't been to any castles or civilization outside of Westeros in this show. Obviously, we did plenty of that in Game of Thrones proper, but here we go to Pentos. We have a nice dinner in a courtyard, a fancy dinner at, with the Prince of Pentos, or is it the, the Prince of Pentos? The Prince
3: of Pentos, nice. yes, yeah, Prince Regio Heratus, Um yeah. and we've seen him, we we see him in some other shots here as well. Um,
2: he, he looks like he wants something. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. That's a guy who
2: is doesn't he this is not a Viserys, a kind of laid back kind of I don't take care of problems unless they're in my face kind of look. Yeah,
3: the impression <laughs> I get is he's like, look, you've been staying with me for a while, when are you gonna pay up and do something for me? that That's the impression I get from this interaction, right? That like Lena and Damon are just living in Pentos, uh, living it up, and people expect more from them. Is he
2: gonna ask for an egg? That's kind of what I'm guessing, that will ask for a dragon egg. We don't have that in Fire and Blood, but there's other examples of rulers who have been had who have had their uh, hospitality tested by yeah. fancy visitors that yeah, asked La- for an egg.
3: Reyna Targaryen. Speaking of, we have l- young Raina here, but the um, original Reyna, as it were, um, writer of Dreamfire, was asked for eggs at multiple stops when she was in the Westerlands. So here we have um, Damon and Lena's daughter, Raina also cradling an egg, though.
2: And for people who haven't read Fire and Blood, if this if a guy from Pentos tries to get eggs, it's going to make people think of Illyrio. We know that, we're pretty sure that Illyrio got those eggs from the Sea Lord of Braavos, which, you know, but a lot of folks don't know that, so they might be, this might call to mind Illyrio and Danny's eggs for some folks. Question, My question for you, Kavita, okay, so this whole idea that highborn people can just go overseas and show up at someone's court and get taken care of, that just seems a bit wild to us all, probably. (laughs) It's like, when you talk about highborn privilege, that's one of the things that people just how does that work exactly can you just show up and be like hey i'm a noble too i w- i'm highborn i'm on the run can you help me out and a lot of times they say yes like uh can you t- talk us through how this this whole thing even works and how that
0: how that's possible and, and what the host maybe hopes to get out of it because i think that's a lot of a
2: lot of what's behind it
0: well there's a great example actually from the Wars of the roses okay, yes. um so we jump forward a couple of Edwards. We got we're now on Edward IV. So, King Edward IV of England uh, got kicked off his throne. Uh, that that was unfortunate for him. Hmm. And he ended up fleeing the country, crossing the channel and going to the Duchy of Burgundy. Now, the Duchy of Burgundy was a territory that comprises what is now like the Netherlands, Belgium, Huge chunks of northern France, even down into Switzerland. Like that, it was a huge, powerful, uh, powerful kingdom. And Edward's wife, who most of well, most of the English nobility did not like, hmm. because her family was not particularly highborn from an English standard. Uh, she actually had a lot of connections in Burgundy. Her mother was the cousin of the Duke of Burgundy. So Edward was able to show up in Burgundy and. Even though the current Duke of Burgundy did not want him there, like okay. this was super <laughs> awkward. The French King is his neighbor. The French King has allied with the new King, well, with King Henry the Sixth, who's now back on the English throne. Everything's super awkward. The Duke of Burgundy also happens to be married to Edward's sister, and Edward's sister is like, dude, you have to help my brother. And so Charles of Burgundy found himself in a super awkward situation, and he basically said, okay, Edward. You can stay in Burgundy, but you cannot stay in my palace. You can stay with somebody else in my court. (laughs) And Edward happened to make friends with the richest man in Charles of Burgundy's court, Uh um, a man named Louis de la Groteuise, and whose palace is still standing in the city of Bruges today. It is beautiful, like absolutely gorgeous. It's now a museum. Uh, But Edward got to live large, staying with the richest man in Bruges, who had the most amazing library, (laughs) um, And, like, he just hung out there for about nine months (laughs) and then eventually managed to convince the Duke of Burgundy to give him ships to send him back to England so that he could try and retake his crown. And against absolutely all of the odds, he succeeded.
3: Oh,
0: Oh, yeah. This is some serious high drama. Like, it... (laughs) Uh, he comes back, he pretends to only be claiming his ancestral family lands, but then as soon as he's on land, he's like, no, actually I'm claiming the kingdom. <laughs> it's like, Grap Gathers armies in the north, goes down, uh, dem- fights these two enormous battles, completely destroys the guys on the other side, and takes his crown back and rules for another 13 years. So he really kind of beat the odds on that, but... He wasn't the only monarch who, uh, when faced with political troubles, uh, fled and stayed somewhere else. Like we have so many examples of this happening. And the reason that it works is because a foreign monarch, when faced with the possibility of, here, I can get a malcontent who has a claim to the throne in this other country. I can put them on my side and possibly 10, 20 years down the road, I can help them usurp the throne. That has happened. Mm. Like that is something that has been successful in the past. Um that's how Henry Tudor got the throne of England in the first yeah. place. Um he had been kicked out of England because he had a claim to the throne. He stayed in Brittany first, then he went to France. Eventually the French king, after complaining for years that this dude was sucking off him like a leech, <laughs>
1: um,
0: eventually England is actually kind of in turmoil right now. There's this guy Richard III, on the throne that nobody likes. Maybe I can send this other guy over and uh, and mess it up in England. And that's exactly what uh, the king of France did. Henry Tudor crossed the channel and in the year 1485 managed to defeat Richard III in battle and take the throne of England and became Henry VII. Nice. And it was all because the French king gave him money and ships. Nice.
2: And so presumably this Duke of Burgundy who helped uh, Edward IV, he got suitably rewarded. Yeah, so. I would hope.
1: Yeah.
0: Right, he, something. he had an alliance. He basically had a very good, very serious alliance with England. And it was a good enough alliance that a couple of years later, Edward actually crossed the channel again with an entire gigantic English army, supposedly to go to war with France alongside the Duke of Burgundy, except that the Duke of Burgundy flaked oh. and <laughs> ran off to Switzerland instead and got himself killed. Oh,
2: I thought you were going to say yeah. got himself well, some chocolate. To, yeah,
0: Edward got to <laughs> reap all of the rewards. Instead, he cut a deal with the King of France and made lots and lots of money. Wow. wow. Yeah,
2: The Game of Thrones. Yes, indeed. It is.
0: <laughs> yeah, there, there is a reason why George R.R. Martin picked up the Wars of the Roses and went, ooh, if I had dragons to this. Yeah. Like, By the way, I'm, I noticed
2: uh, you didn't mention any dragons. Where were the dragons <laughs> during all that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> the only dragon in residence was uh, the one on Henry Tudor's banner.
2: That's the <laughs> he nice. Yeah. <laughs> so in Pentos, we can guess that the Prince of Pentos has some angles here. He has something he wants, or something he th- thinks he might want, or might come in handy later. We know the Triarchy is Mere Pentos. I mean, sorry, Mere Tyrosh, at least not including Pentos. And Pentos is very nearby them, so they would be perhaps threatened by the Triarchy or feel like encroached upon. And Damon, quite notably, is the biggest enemy of the triarchy. So that is very relevant here. So it's an enemy of the enemy is my friend kind of situation, quite possibly hmm. They look very fancy. I'm,
0: I'm willing to bet that part of the thing he's asking for is, hey, why don't you use those two giant dragons of yours to burn out the pirates currently occupying the steps? Yeah, now that they've gotten
2: back in there. Yeah, that was like kind of one or two lines there that 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 was mentioned in the trailer that the step have become a problem again, because as Damon said, when he left, all I left was a bunch of bodies staked to the shore that's that's that line of defense will only last so long. <laughs> People are, are going to not be scared of that ten years later. So yeah, this the, the problem is return presumably. Where you
3: know. are Damon and Lena parking these dragons? Yeah, right. The whole landing that. strip. Like, where yeah. are they putting them? Yeah, <laughs> where is the space for them? I I, I you know well, we know we're going to see them on their dragons in the trailer. We have a shot of Damon and Lena on Dragonback together, but whether this is them like. Just riding around Essos, around Pentos? I'm not sure. Where where
2: exactly are they? There's one shot where there's looks to be Pentoshi people seeing Vagar overhead. Yeah,
3: you're right. You're right. And
2: it looks like a giant, like, bomber passing over. (laughs) Which it kind of is, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know.
0: <laughs> there, hasn't Ryan Condal compared Vagar to like a B fifty two bomber I think right. might Exactly.
3: Have, yeah. I think that is like where. I think, and, yeah, I think that's yeah. why he has that in his head in the first place. But yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Those things were like
2: indestructible. You'd shoot them like you, they get hit by all sorts of anti aircraft. And they keep on going. And Vegar apparently is, is falling apart. <laughs> but you still don't want Hory. to fight her. <laughs> what are those things on her back? It look like strands of hair or rope or
3: yeah, yeah. It does know. look like Vegar is hairy. Yeah, almost. Like, like... They call.
2: I think they did. They get it wrong because in the book she's described as hoary. So maybe yeah. they just like, oh, you said hoary? I thought you said hairy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 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 <laughs> Whoops. Yeah. So they got that. I don't know. <laughs> but. Clearly, a substantial amount of time has passed. Not only are Damon and Elena now married, but they're about to have a third child, which, as we know, is going to result in her death, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And we know that's going to happen quickly, relatively quickly, because she's already quite pregnant. It's not like there's a lot of time here that, that could be, you know, snuck in between. Uh, we got... She looks fantastic. Look at that. That is the Valyrian woman right there. Yeah,
3: this is now uh, Nana Blondell playing Lena. Um, yeah. On a short so stint many with, yeah, I know, with Savannah, but uh, I'm excited to see Nana. Um, it's
2: a little funny that she's wearing green, but hey. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: like a Valerian green. <laughs> You're right. Like, it's, it's a, a sea blue green,
2: white green. Light green. Sea yeah. green. Yeah, yeah,
3: it's a different, different shade. But yeah, that's funny.
2: <laughs> and then we get lots of shots of Bela and Reina, and that's. I, maybe on purpose cuz they're going to be more important than Lena in the long run. Lena's memory yeah. will be huge, her character will be huge, but not her presence. And I guess of the two, Bela will be a lot more important than Reina. Uh, assuming things as usual standard disclaimer, we're only, we're going by what, what's in fire and blood. We we obviously don't know what may happen, what they may change. Uh the shots with the dragon egg are particularly notable. How cool is this, right? She's holding it in front of the fireplace.
3: So uh, I see. um Ag- uh, Agrimion says the showrunner said Vagar has layers of old saddles on her back, could be harnesses or something. And someone else says maybe they're ropes for climbing, like a rope ladder. Because Vagar oh, is so big, so huge. That's yeah. probably why. Yeah. It's probably
0: ropes. Yeah, I wow. could like, be able to get. I don't think you can climb on. Like she, she can't sort of. He crouched down yeah. enough that anyone could actually climb just
3: on her back yeah wow, you just physically
2: have to. she's so big you gotta climb lena totally was great in
3: pe class at the rope climbing
2: <laughs> it's like the little stairs they gave for viserys to get on his horse
3: but
2: <laughs> yeah it's, it's the dragon
0: distance. version of the little horse stairs i think wow. that's got it that, that makes sense actually cause... things you
2: don't consider when animals oh, are that no. large <laughs> wow Many yeah words. that really could be just to get around on her back and that's amazing (laughs) (laughs) makes
3: me feel like like a bunch of people could just be hanging onto those ropes at one time (laughs) that's how she takes the groceries home
2: (laughs) so there's another shot of them on the roof together damon without lena just with the two daughters i have a sinking feeling this is like talking to them after her death or something but god the
0: scene on the roof yeah yeah, i have
2: that bad feeling but because that's if that's not it it's got to be in there somewhere i mean they well, look
3: upset to me they i think there's right i now. think
2: there's tears yeah i think there might be tears like it's hard to see for sure and and there's that other moment inside where they're holding each other and in, in, in a corner where they're wearing the same outfit their pajamas so i was trying to see if i, I could think see. that these two this scene two scenes must be connected the, them seeing something that shocks them or surprises them and then them going out on the roof afterwards so Aww. Anyway, yeah, not looking forward to that. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the episode, but yeah, I'm not looking forward to the kids reacting to their mom's mom passing. Super chat from Morley says, "Looking forward to episode 6. Thank you Aziza, Shay, and all your guests for all the amazing content and discussions. Love the kitties." Yeah, we love the kitties too. They're uh they're looks like they're taking it easy today and I don't know if we'll see any on stream this day, but
0: Speaking of pets, I'm actually hearing barking. I'm just going to go open that door. Thank <laughs> yeah, you. Like, right
2: Hopefully, you don't need any ropes to climb up on your dog. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see what else do we have here in Pentos. If we remember, if we look forward a little bit to kind of remind ourselves of what's going to happen, Bela and Reyna get betrothed to Jason Luke early in life. So that's probably next episode. Could be as soon as this one, but I'm guessing that's next episode, maybe when they gather for what, what? the funeral. Oh, yeah. When Bela and Reyna get a betrothed to Jason Luke.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I would I would guess that that's a next episode. That's like a post-funeral
2: Yeah. Thing. In the book, it actually happens before the Red Spring, so that's a small... But again, there have been lots of small changes like that. It's not. Obviously, I'm not complaining. Moving things around a little bit is... I'm never going to complain about that. It's it's the what happens is what matters, not the order it happens, usually. Obviously, sometimes it matters.
1: <laughs> yeah.
2: Um. And notably, too, it's easy to forget or maybe realize that you never thought about it. It's Bela betrothed to Jace and Reyna betrothed to Luke, which is obviously significant since Jace is the heir. And even though Bela and Reyna are twins, Bela's the taller one. And uh, that's important. Yeah.
3: Yeah, that is Bayla on the left here. Uh I, I I'm trying like, if you have trouble remembering, you can remember Bayla is the taller one in the in the show, and Bayla has kind of a rounder face. Um yeah. but uh and of
2: course by episode seven they won't be kids anymore. So they'll be they'll be teenagers. Not teenagers, but they'll be a little older, yeah. I guess? I
3: guess like young, I mean, they might technically still be teens. They might be like eighteen or seventeen, but I think they might okay. technically still be teens. But you know, okay. older, right? I, I don't know how old they'll be.
0: Yeah, it's interesting because in the book, in Fire and Blood, there's only about a five year period between when Lena, when um, Rhaenyra and Lenor get married, and uh, the deaths of Lena and the Red Spring. Mm-hmm. Because Lena, because uh, Rhaenyra and Lenor get married, I think early 114, and the Red Spring is 120, so they've got about six years. Also, God, she has three kids in six years. <laughs> yeah, a lot of kids. that is. Uh, that is, that is... Like she's just pregnant, pregnant, pregnant. Oh my God! I look at those dates and it gives me hives. <laughs> <laughs> what a pace, right? <laughs> in book canon,
2: Rhaena has a hatchling die early in life. We maybe will see that. Maybe we'll get the hatchling, and then maybe that's what. They're reacting to, mm-hmm. rather than Lena going yeah. into labor or something yeah, I mean, like we, we
3: see Raina with her egg, so we can see, we presumably might see, yeah, that egg hatch, and oh, no, she doesn't actually have her dragon yet. Yeah.
2: But she, <laughs> oh, she does sad. get a dragon much, much later. It hatches in the Vale near the end of the war. It's morning, morning light, and it doesn't, of course, become part of the war. It's one of the few dragons that is not part of the war at all. And she spends her life in the Vale with Jane Aaron. Living the kind of life that Allison thought was romantic that Rhaenyra didn't want, which is just having all the different Knights of the Vale try to win her favor. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. that's her life. So Reyna's not bad for like, at least for the dance. And then after the dance, she marries Corwin Corbray, and he passes. And then she marries Garmin Hightower and Garmin Hightower. She has six daughters with Garmin Hightower. But both of those things are after the war, so they're not going to come up.
3: It would be so funny if we're just like all this fighting is going on, and then you just like cut to Reina, and she's just, she's just dealing with this like, this Tinder type situation. <laughs> yeah. and she's just dealing with uh, some love interest. Keeps swiping left. Yeah. She's just
2: kicking back, having a grand old time, just like, ah, I sure am glad to be in the veil vale right now. <laughs> Meanwhile, <laughs> Bela is going to have all kinds of stuff to do. She's going to be a very important character, maybe not right away. Obviously, In book canon, it's a little while before she starts being important in terms of doing things. She's always important, given who she is, but (laughs) her bloodline and all that. But yeah, uh, she'll go to Dragonstone. She probably marries Oakenfist. I mean, that is in book canon. We won't see that marriage, most likely, but we probably will meet. Young Alan Valerian next season, if not season three, we'll, we'll almost probably, certainly meet him.
3: Even if we don't like see them get married, I think we'll see their connection. Yeah. Like, yeah. like Form. Like, you'll know, like, oh, these two are going to be together after all this is over.
2: Yeah, she runs to him when told she has to marry. So uh, she knew, she knew what she was doing, I think. She didn't just pick some random lord to run to, yeah. like, like we discussed. She, he was her Duke of Burgundy.
1: <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
2: and speaking of, Alan was a born a year before Bela and Reyna and Adam and Valar in the year before that. So a lot of kids have been born off screen.
3: So presumably, if we're thinking that Alan and Adam are Coralises, then this is around the, like Corlease has. Cheated on rainies at this point. Although, if you are not a Corlys as the father truther, then I guess you think that something else happened here.
2: Yeah, and for some re- strange reason, Lainor, who apparently isn't interested in women at all, decided to go sleep Yeah, with yeah like, I, I, <laughs>
3: I'm, I really think that these are Corlys's kids, but yeah. people really argue with us about it, so it's it's yeah. not <laughs> a, as much of a cut and dry thing as I should as I tend to think it is. And
2: maybe like, Book Lainor is different. We can't assume that Book Lainor is.
3: Like yeah, show Lenore.
2: Yeah, like I really fill. think he's
3: gay, but I, God, he could be nice. bi. He could be something else, and it, I really, I'm really very skeptical that this is not. Like, I, I think yeah. that Alan and Adam are going to be Coralie's. Yeah,
0: I do too. What do you think, Kavita? I think. Yeah, I expect. I assumed in the book that they were Coralie's kids. Um, the only way that I could possibly see them making it work. Uh, is there's that one almost throwaway line that Lanor has in his scene with Rhaenyra on Driftmark, where they're walking on the beach, um, where Rhaenyra's uh, talking about sort of personal tastes and so forth. And Laenor replies, not for lack of trying.
2: Oh, not for That's lack of
0: the trying. the only thing. It seems like- I don't, yeah. I don't know that if they're planning to set it up that way, Um I, I, but, maybe that was yeah, to, I don't know like that that that's the only reason I could think of that they would actually try to make the kids Lanors. but my I personally believe that this is Corliss that yeah. they're Corliss's kids.
3: That's a, that is a decent point especially because we do get this the scene where Corliss is pretty like against the idea of Laenor just like he's like well maybe not for you know the idea that Corliss would take Lanor to a brothel mm-hmm. and be like and, and try and maybe even do that multiple times because that's, that's the thing that's the problem is that it's not like there's just one child there's two it's with two. the same person so like that's pretty damning to me for it not just being like a, a random liaison <laughs> but you're you're, yeah. you're absolutely right that 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 is what leaves it open
2: all right son lane or here's a brothel have anyone you can pick anyone you want he's looking at the bouncer like uh, <laughs>
3: yeah <laughs> <laughs> i mean brothel. you would have had yeah anyone i want the really. other thing is though that mouse
0: isn't a sex worker though yeah like, you're right that's a good point uh, this is a, yeah, she's yeah, mouse. Well, no, like no, no, no. the the description that we have of her, she's not a like Marilda. Yeah. To yeah, totally. And she she's not at any point described as a sex worker. She's described as a sailor. She's described as a ship's captain. Yeah, she's very much
2: not that. Which yeah, she's is
0: very much Corliss's type. Yeah, yeah, more true. More so than Lenore's. <laughs> but again, like I I don't know what like I I would be curious to see. I'm very curious to see how they're going to spin that because, of course, like the way that they've written Corlys and Rhaenys as this wonderful like functional married married couple, which I love. They're like the only functional married couple on this show. Yeah. At least until, I mean, I'm hoping Rainier and Laenor, it looks like we're getting like good yeah. kind of couple vibes from them, but yeah. uh, but thus far, it seems to me that the only functional marriage on this show is Corlys and Rhaenys. Yep. <laughs> and, I can see, I, I, yet, I, I hard to disagree with that, yeah. People
3: are not, Are people are gonna have trouble justifying it for sure. If he's cheating on Rhaenys, there is a world, I don't think they'll go with it, but there is a world in which Rainie's and Corley's have that agreement. That they have decided, hey, sometimes you go sailing and you're away from me for six months of the, you know, like, maybe it's one of those situations. He was out, you know, it was a long distance thing. I, I don't expect them to necessarily go into it, but we'll see if we see Rainie's reaction to this, how betrayed she really is.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that's a great point yeah i also see a a comment from curtis franks here he says it's smart of them to include kids very visually in these time jumps it really helps show the aging of the children really helps show how much time has passed which is ironic because game of thrones proper was known for not aging up the babies to keep it (laughs) simpler (laughs) so it made it confusing wait how much time has passed it was not wasn't that a baby like a year ago, you know, <laughs> but here they've a lot more cognizant. it's too much it's 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 a lot more important to the storytelling to have the ages be uh, paid proper attention to. Whereas the Game of Thrones, they could afford to mess around a little with that. To a
3: certain extent, although we still have things yeah. like Viserys and the Great Council in episode one, where you're like, really? Like, he should have been younger there. Yeah, exactly, uh, yeah. And then <laughs> that leads to confusion for people like our, like our co host Sean, who's like, how old is Viserys? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so. <laughs> how old is Viserys supposed to be? Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, as he's looked it up, but I, I still I, I don't believe it. I'm like, he looks older.
2: <laughs> well, now he's going to yeah. be like, yeah. in his early 40s. Uh, Looking or like 40s. he's 70. Yeah. yeah, I think he mm-hmm. dies when he's 51, mm. if I remember right, because he was born in, yeah, he was born in 77. Yeah,
0: 51 or 52, I think, is
3: when he dies. Yeah, 52.
2: Yeah, it's 52, because he died, unless he hasn't had his birthday yet that year, but he dies in 129, and he's born in 77. So, yeah, that's about yeah. right.
3: Yeah, he looks great.
2: And speaking of children, this is... We've mentioned several already, but I have a section in our document called A Cacophony of Children. You know, you got to have our Song of Ice and Fire titles in there. Because there's so many, and there's so many more that aren't even mentioned that we know have been born in this era. So many important figures. Let's go through it real quick. We're going to be introduced to a new version of Aegon. We've seen him before. And a new version of Helena, We've seen a baby version of her. And we're going to see Aemond. So, completely first time seeing Aemond. Look at Aegon. That is not the pose of a kid that you get a sense of, oh, this is a nice boy. This is, this, this, I think we're meant to see, oh. Cocky, like you know, rich kid type look, and now they're really emphasizing his hair. That's like super on purpose to have his long, super long blonde hair to make him blatantly Targaryen looking. Yeah. <laughs> In contrast to the Strongs. Now there's Amon obviously smaller. To these two who look very not Targaryen, <laughs> just extremely unTargaryen. Like they, they look like Strongs. I like because that navy blue, which is black, like a black blue, it looks kind of blue here. And it makes them look like trident colored. It really looks more colored than anything. Yeah,
3: you're right, though. I didn't even think about that. Their actual, the the, the outfits that they're wearing is very uh, strong, Riverlands. Yeah.
2: (laughs) So, Kavita, question for you. In terms of Mm -hmm. looks, has this come up in questions of parentage in, in, in medieval times or other periods of history that you know of where it just... That kid couldn't possibly be the son of the king or whatever, and that causes problems. Uh, what kind of historical precedent do we have for situations like this?
0: Oh, goodness. Yeah, uh, there, there's a lot. Yeah, there. this often came up. Um, and any times, basically, anytime someone wanted to discredit the current monarch, one of the easiest ways to do it was to claim that either the monarch or the monarch's child was illegitimate Mm. it was a go-to people were doing it all the time and half the reason that we have these modern accounts of adulterous queens um are probably because of this kind of propaganda it's probably because of this kind of rumors and gossip and that kind of thing because there are a lot of cases where um Probably the queen was not unfaithful. Probably the queen was just doing her job. And it just so happened that the kid came out looking different. Yeah. And, um, like for instance, so, um, again, back to the Wars of the Roses. It's always the Wars of the Roses. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is my, this is my area. <laughs> so, uh, there is a, there's a pretty famous instance. Um, so the mother of King Edward IV and King Richard III, uh, was named Cecily Neville. And she had 14 children. She had a lot of children. And some of them looked like her, and some of them looked like her husband. And by the end, she had, um, when the Wars of the Roses were really kicking into full gear, um, she had four sons. And supposedly, like this, obviously this is entirely based on hearsay. This is entirely based on kind of primary source reportage. Um, So we don't have contemporary portraits of any of them, mm. but the supposedly Edward and his second brother, George, looked more like their mother and Richard looked more like his dad. Mm. And then, so later, later on, fast forward several decades, Edward IV is dead. Also, uh, also, I think around like 40 something years old, he died much younger than people expected him to. Uh, he's the king, I argue that Robert Baratheon is based on. He was muscled like a maiden's fantasy, the whole shebang <laughs> when he was very young. There is this great reference in one of the French sources that refers to him as the handsomest prince in Christendom, <laughs> only now he's gotten fat. <laughs> like it's a completely fat phobic source, but there you go. Um, because he, like, the set, uh, he's the one, he got kicked out in the middle of his reign, came back to the throne again, as soon as he took the throne again, he apparently really got into binge eating, binge drinking and binge womanizing. So yeah, um, yeah. he did all of those things. By the end, he died of pneumonia oh. by going fishing in April. <laughs> so (laughs) yeah unfortunate and uh the problem was that after his death supposedly we still to this day do not know if this is true supposedly um his marriage was invalid and the eight or so children that he had with his queen were declared bastards they were declared illegitimate and his younger brother richard iii took the throne supposedly because his nephews were illegitimate yeah, uh, we, we probably think he was planning to take the throne anyway. Um, But one of the supposed kind of publicity stunts that he pulled, again, we don't know that he actually did this, it just shows up in one of the sources, um, is that he had people, he had several speeches given talking about how Boy, Edward sure looks like my mom, but not my dad. Because <laughs> <laughs> hmm. there was this rumor that had gone around some years earlier that Edward was not his dad's son. Edward was illegitimate. There was even a story that was spread in the French court that Edward was the son of an archer named blais They even had a name for his supposed dad. <laughs> um so like, there was this whole, th- there was this whole story, it got hushed up. And then again, and then uh, in 1483, when Edward died, it came back out into the open and is now mentioned in every single source oh, wow. that happens afterward as something Richard III said about his mom. Huh. So like, it's in the 16th century sources, especially in Shakespeare, like Richard comes out and says, yeah, my mom definitely didn't commit adultery, but I'm gonna tell everyone that she <laughs> did cause I'm evil. Wow. Um, yeah.
1: Jeez,
2: <laughs> amazing so that's totally then yeah so it fits this is, so this is mm-hmm. basically uh, pretty real world accurate then in the way this is played out uh, in a lot of ways then um because you've got like george typically does he turns up to 11 this these kids really don't look <laughs> like like really like <laughs> either of their parents i mean uh, yeah well i mean they're real parents they look like harwin yeah they they look like their dad <laughs> who isn't supposed look to look like be their, their dad yeah. <laughs> they don't look like the guy who's supposed to be their dad yeah that's what i meant to say yeah.
0: so and one of the things you mentioned actually in the 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 sort of half uh, half season recap that you guys did earlier this week yeah. um it was interesting that the the changes that they made making giving taking away Rainey's black hair making Rainey's fair like uh mm-hmm. silver-haired um and making emma silver-haired as well mm-hmm. um they pulled away all of the plausible deniability because in the books, (laughs) we don't know what the errands look like. Like, I, I kind of assumed that Emma, because we have some Targ kids who marry out of the Targaryen family and they end up looking like whoever else. Um, So I kind of had assumed that maybe Emma was kind of brown haired or just kind of didn't look obviously Targaryen. Mm Um, and that could have been a way for Rainier to go. oh, She just takes after my mom. Yeah, it's fine.
3: yeah.
2: We totally agree. Yeah, 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 exa- <laughs> yeah, Like
3: we said, um, if you didn't catch the Wednesday stream, y'all, um, the general idea is that, like, I think that the fact that they made those changes points to them doing this on purpose they're turning it up to twelve yeah yeah
2: (laughs) they're like (laughs) eleven something. yeah
3: you you put it exactly right (laughs) they're removing any uh, plausible deniability like uh, maybe maybe you prefer there to be some plausible deniability but they clearly didn't want that to be there that's why they made this change Mm -hmm.
2: yeah so they're like all the different excuses that that fans like us came up with like well it
3: could be this
2: they went and read all those and did, did systematically remove those possibilities so yeah, yeah it, was, it was pretty well done like as far nah. as like <laughs> yeah eliminate all the possibility that's good it was well done yeah uh, getting back to the children real quick and then we'll we'll discuss more of the the drama around them there's so many more kids yet to come most of whom will probably not be mentioned until they show up as adults but I still want to mention that they're born around this time uh, we said Adam and Alan uh, Cassandra Baratheon, who the one is going to be betrothed to Aegon the Second after uh, Helena passes, but they're never actually going to get married. But all those sisters, Cassandra and all the Baratheon sisters, one of whom will also be betrothed to Aemon, and the other one will taunt Aemon and call him a coward. And who we'll see
3: at the end of the season. Yeah,
2: who who taunts him into going after luke <laughs> so yep uh the red kraken is born around this time black alley blackwood as well bloody ben blackwood born around this time kermit tully born a few years before glendon good the guy who's lord commander for one day is born around this time uh lionel hightower okay, so wait,
3: i have a question here i just, just lionel hightower is born now is this a case of the Hightowers currying favor with the hand of the king lionel strong like, uh it could be. It could I it's just like very notable to me a hightower naming their child a Lionel during this time. Yeah, you're especially right. given what's happening with Lionel. Like it was Lionel Hightower born before or after the uh Lionel's before his death. It before his death. Yeah. In, in
2: books I think he was born right before okay. I think he was uh, born anyway. Before. No, not right before, right uh Right after Otto was dismissed, I think he was born.
3: Mm. Uh, yeah. Okay.
2: So yeah, it would have been right. It would have been. I think. I think it was one eleven or one twelve. No,
3: Otto I, I never born. really clocked that before.
0: But maybe someone not... was trolling Otto. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it was like a Hightower relationship. Like, hey, I'm going to name this kid. <laughs> and I'm going to name my kid after your replacement. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, wonder yeah. <laughs> gonna, I wonder if they're going to.
2: I wonder if they're going to bother with this. Probably, maybe not. Um, but this would be Ormond's son, not Hobert's. Okay. But Hobert is replace. Hobert is you know they combined Hobert and Ormond into one. Uh, okay. Into yeah. One person. Yeah. So.
3: Hoban. Yeah, Hoban. yeah, they combined him, so it's <laughs> unclear whether uh, we'll get an Ormond or or what.
2: <laughs> yeah. And Tristane Trufire, also born around this time, as well as Lara Rogare, who will marry Viserys to be Viserys II. Aegon III, of course, yet to be born, but will be very soon. Viserys II, as I just mentioned, and of course, poor baby Visenya. Jaehaerys and Jaehaerys also have to be married, too. Not only do we have this Aegon, And Helena, but they're gonna have kids. I mean, three of them before the war breaks out. There's so many more kids to come. Gaiman Pale Hair, as well, is born, is yet to be born, but will be soon. And Laurie and Lannister, Jason's little kid that he'll have before he goes off and dies in in, in the riverlands,
3: which also means Jason will all be happy, yes yeah. yeah, yeah, Jason um, will marry obviously Johanna. Jason hasn't been married at the time of Rhaenyra's uh, wedding feast with uh, Leonor because he arrives alone, so he has not gotten married yet.
2: yeah, I, I keep forgetting what's going to happen to Thailand, too. We talk about Jason like, oh that guy's just going to die don't worry about it, but Thailand is going to be like. No. The Hooded Hand. I mean that guy gets his eyes and lips and nose and <laughs> ew, I mean Oh yeah, we don't need to talk about that too much. <laughs>
0: yeah, I, I don't know how graphic they're going to be with that, especially considering that they sort of toned it down mm. in the, the original series with Tyrion's injuries. Yeah,
2: maybe just the hood. They'll just leave it to be. Yeah, <laughs> let us wonder. Leave it.
0: If if I were them, that's what I would do. I would just sort of have the hood and just little glimpses, and just leave it to the audience's imagination. It's so much more effective. Yeah, that way.
2: yeah, I agree. I agree. King's Landing. Let's go to King's Landing. There's a the trailer opens with a famous reenactment. One of Doug Wheatley's famous pieces from Fire and Blood is shown uh, at the beginning of the trailer. It's so cool the the two princess and the queen, black and green moment.
3: Yeah,
1: Yes. I love it.
2: And uh, also, there's a great shot of them in front of the throne, where it focuses on Alicent, and then the camera fades out and focuses on Rhaenyra. And they're both very distinct, and they're black and green. So the subtext is pretty straightforward there. Yes, very much so.
3: Yeah, but for right now, we still mainly just have Rhaenyra in these, like, golds and creams and reds that she's wearing. And these, like, like very notable to me that she is not costumed yet in uh, darker, in, in the black clothing, basically. Yeah. Like, so, like, she will at some point make a fashion statement of her own though clearly hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting
1: go to your happy place for a happy price go to your happy price, price line
2: and we also have a shot um, of Lenor and Rainier talking Yes, And I'm not sure if this is King's Landing. I think, I think it, is it is King's Landing. I think
3: it's King's Landing. Looks like King's yeah. Landing. I
2: think and it I, is. And I don't know why they'd be elsewhere, given she gives birth and shows the child to Allison right away. So it makes sense that they would be there. But this looks like it would be after that. She doesn't look pregnant anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, yeah,
3: she looks like, I mean, she looks like, she's, yeah, she's still pretty quickly after having given birth.
2: Though. Yeah. And look at that chair. It those like dragon scale, the one that no one's sitting in. That is a nice looking chair. I want that chair. Yeah. <laughs> Looks nice. Purple and green. And they've it.
3: got like on the table, they've got all these like figurines of uh, of animals.
2: Yeah, that's cool. Huh? Probably
3: because they have ki- like, kids would want to play with stuff. Is something knocked over oh, on oh, the table? Oh, I bet those are
0: kids' things? toys. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they're, they're playing with like,
3: that's like a, like a. It looks almost like a bull and a horse, or like yeah, yeah just, just different figures. Yeah. figures. If, that,
0: if that's supposed to be their bedroom, it looks believably full of kids. Yeah, <laughs> like, with two kids, yeah, like looks as someone as someone who has two children, that is what my house looks. like. <laughs> there's guess, a toy right there. too'
2: one
3: like that. <laughs> nice over. though. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah,
2: their <laughs> toys aren't quite as fancy, huh? <laughs> but no, it's,
0: no, their toy. My kids' toys are made of plastic. But... <laughs> you know, it's Not funny because
3: Aegon uh, um, too, back in an uh, earlier episode, he had a dragon figurine that he was that he was playing with and so here these boys don't have dragon figurines they've got like horses
1: <laughs>
3: and elephants there's yeah. an elephant there yeah yeah lynette
2: well, carter wants to know about oscar tully did i mention that kermit tully was born around this time it, i guess oscar did, is it, so. a little after yeah. that so yeah or is oscar his brother or his son i forget
0: I thought Oscar was his brother. Yeah. I thought it was Grover and then Kermit and Oscar. And then
2: Elmo. and
0: Or no, El, where's Elmo? Elmo's in there somewhere.
2: <laughs> Elmo's the <laughs> younger one. I think he's the one that... that uh takes over for Kermit. Kermit dies, I think Elmo takes okay. over, and Elmo's the one who kills Oh, uh, yeah, Elmo's Boros.
3: grandfather is Grover's. Yeah, it is multi-generational, yes. Yeah, and
2: Oscar's the brother that um, founds the, the, the salesword company, I think.
3: Elmo is Kermit's father, yes, okay. So, uh, <laughs> that, Elmo is that Kermit's father. Oh, I got it so yeah. Very the
2: confusing all Elmo. of a sudden. Okay.
0: Oh.
2: Yeah, it's funny, because remember um, there's that exchange between Miguel Sapochnik and Ryan Condal, where Miguel's like, we gotta change some of these names. And Ryan's like, we can't. You know, he's like, no, it doesn't matter that there's so many Agons and Darons, and oh, we gotta keep that. He's like, these ones, there might be a, like a copyright issue here. I don't know, maybe not. It's just names, like you can't.
0: Well, HBO technically yeah. owns Sesame Street. Really? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Then there won't
2: be. Con- All right, then we'll so, probably like, get could, them.
0: They could get it. Yeah, it's. St- they <laughs> could. I don't know if they would though. Yeah. I feel yeah. like they would. Uh, they might. People might think that that's too. This is too fourth wall yeah. breaking. Yeah. I
2: I agree. I don't yeah. actually like I, I <laughs> these think are hilarious. in there. I love it. I'm, a, it. I'm
0: on board. I, I poop play with
2: them it. up at Tullies yeah I'm
0: like you know to be fair though Kermit is a real name. Like my my husband, many many years ago, (laughs) applied for a judicial clerkship with a judge named Kermit.
2: (laughs) I think really only Grover is. I mean, even Grover is a real name. Like there was a president named Grover. Yeah, exactly. But like I haven't I haven't met someone named Grover. It's like a name that no one uses anymore.
0: There's like a (laughs) GOP guy named Grover Norquist. Oh um, yeah, who is unfortunately still around.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think for me. I, I can could, I could hang with the Oscar and the Grover in, in World just fine. But yeah, I could see why people would be like, Elmo and Kermit, a little too far. So, <laughs> Elmo,
0: maybe not. Yeah, <laughs>
3: Elmo in particular. Like, but yeah. it's so
0: funny.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I mean, notwithstanding that St. Elmo is a thing we have a, hey, Elmo's a friend fire. Yeah, we, we have, have a, a f- friend and a listener of the podcast at uh, chuck lazaro who um has a great cosplay of elmo like a full elmo tully like i mean i should send you a picture sometime computer it's like it's a f- i mean it's the f- full Elmo, but dressed in full Tully rain. It's awesome. He also has the Kermit though. He's got, uh, he's got both Elmo and Kermit. And it looks amazing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they're, they're so all, cool. they're all
2: four real names. It's just, they're, they're definitely like the Muppets <laughs> have taken them over. Except for Oscar, I guess. Yes, so
0: like, they have. You know, yeah, Oscar's you know, still Well, so like, so I maintain fine. if there are any Tully girls, they have to be named Zoe and Abby.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Which are far more normal names at this
0: point. Uh, um. <laughs>
2: Speaking of names, let's go to the small council. We got a scene there. They're discussing the, the Stepstones. But I think it's a little tricksy because there's two spots where we see the small council in these scenes. But in one of these spots, it's an overhead shot where there's no Viserys. Mm-hmm. And there's another one where clearly Viserys is sitting there. So there's must be two small council scenes, one with Viserys and one without. We see Rhaenyra with the quorum ball, the little
3: her trackball. She's using
2: it as a trackball too. I've she's got one some, finger on. It, I've seen like... a
3: great edit on Twitter of of Rhaenyra, like as if she was actually using a trackball mouse, and like then the, the next the next slide is of a computer screen and what she's looking at. Yeah,
1: um, that
3: is the vibe. But no, so that is the question. In our in our Wednesday episode, we speculated that um she was that was her father, that was Viserys's ball and that she was taking his place on the council. But they, the the point was raised that Rhaenyra is now of age. She should just be on the council normally, you know, whether um, Viserys is there or not. So she should have a ball of her own, I think.
2: Yeah, I agree. And she's the heir to the throne and we, we said before that this should be a role she should have had sooner, being brought up and taught and how to rule and all that. I have a question for you, Kavita. Let me set it up a bit here. Mm-hmm. One theme throughout this show... Is that every single person that's either close to power, might come into power, or is in power, pretty much never taught to rule ahead of time. Viserys wasn't groomed to rule. He became nominated after his uncle and father died, and they were groomed to rule. And... uh, Viserys isn't really doing a good job of grooming Rhaenyra to rule, and as we'll see, Rhaenyra won't really do a good job with her kids. And Alicent's not really going to do a great job with hers and raising them to rule. She's going to—they're more going to be raised to fight for what's theirs rather than what to do with the throne when they once they have it. And it's just like generations of this. It seems like, and even Jaehaerys and Alicent weren't taught to rule. It, it just worked out. <laughs> they were. They just—they were just, just, they were just good at it. Yeah,
3: they were just curious-minded people yeah. who liked to study and learn about stuff.
2: Magor wasn't taught to rule. I mean, he would have—he shouldn't have been. <laughs> uh, he just seized the throne anyway. And and Anis was really the only one that was kind of taught, and uh, he did an okay job, but even he had many shortcomings. But so how is that? Um, like, speak to us about that in the education of rulers in medieval times. Is this a common thing where you see people in- inherit their titles or thrones without with very little? thought to how they're going to hand, handle all that?
0: It, again, like it was one of those things. It really depended on what was going on mm-hmm. during, the, uh, during the reigning monarch's reign because uh, a lot of whether or not a child was trained to rule had a lot to do with what was going on with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, so for instance, like to go back to my, my, my go-to, um, Edward IV, he had two sons. And his older son was actually trained to rule. He was sent, when he was actually younger than people necessarily expected, they actually sent him away from his parents, away from the rest of his family. He had his own castle on the board, on the Welsh border at Ludlow. And he had tutors. He had servants. Mm. He had a steward. He had an entire miniature royal household. And he was in charge, despite okay. being only like eight or nine years old. He was in charge. I mean, granted, like he had—he was being guided by his uncle at the time, like his his um, uh, his mother's older brother, what, Anthony Woodbill.
3: What I'm hearing here oh. is that he had a rehearsal, like Nathan Fielder's <laughs> yeah. the rehearsal, uh, where yes. he practiced a, a little. They built him a middle bench. That's what I'm hearing. Exactly. Yeah, uh, which is that's great. exactly
0: what they did because they basically gave him the opportunity to practice on a smaller scale. This is how you rule a territory. And this was relatively common, actually, within the English setting, within the English context. They would send, uh, the monarch would send their kid to Wales. And it was always Wales. It was always freaking Wales. Prince of Wales. Um, yeah. They would always send them to Wales because they considered Wales to be a backwater. Uh, to be fair, Wales was basically an English colony at this point. Um, they had wiped out the ruling royal family of Wales and taken over and built a bunch of these giant castles to control everything. And the Welsh hated them. Absolutely hated them. They still hate them to this day.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah. So uh, they said they would send their kids to Wales. Like Henry V went there. Uh, Edward, the, Edward IV actually went there as well, even though he was not in the line of succession. His dad sent him there mm. um, to a different castle in Wales. Henry V was oh. sent to Shrewsbury and uh, Edward IV was sent to Ludlow with, his, uh, with uh, one of his brothers. And the two of them were raised there on their own. Uh, again, kind of just learning how to rule from tutors and um and other lords um so that was actually a relatively normal thing like even earlier even if we're looking at kind of the period that george was probably basing the dance of the dragons on which is the anarchy Mm -hmm. of the 12th century um the uh the woman who Henry the who Henry the first his daughter the woman who he had designated at his heir Empress Matilda she had actually had ruling experience Mm. because she had been married to the Holy Roman Emperor that's why she was called Empress Matilda um she had been married to the Holy Roman Emperor when she was seven Mm. and she spent like she didn't like she spent at least I think 10 or 12 years there before her husband died um and she was very much part of the ruling system she knew how to rule a kingdom mm. um but the problem was that once she was named her father's heir instead of bringing her to england introducing her to everyone putting her in charge making her interact with the people that she was going to rule he sent her to france and married her to a uh, not a minor french nobleman a fairly major french nobleman but one that no one else liked uh-huh. And so she, he married her to this man, Geoffrey of Anjou, and the two of them were ruling in Anjou and Normandy, but she never actually managed to interact with the people she was supposed to be ruling in England, mm. which is part of the reason why when her father died and she was still in Normandy, her, her cousin, Stephen of Blois. Uh, was able to kind of sidle in and be like, "Hey guys, I'm a man. How about I take over okay. England?" Even though he had no ruling and experience, and a bunch <laughs> of the English nobility took him up on yeah. it. I mean, he had kind, of, he had like they both had ruling experience okay. on kind of the micro level, yeah, just like not like the his kingdom
2: lands. level. Yeah, like his own, yeah. his own like acreage. Yeah, so his own small yeah, acreage.
3: he was in charge of his own lands. Yeah, um, obviously you brought up uh, Wales, and so like we do have <laughs> Dragonstone as our comparison there as well, and where, and that's where. I assume some of these Targaryen heirs get they they break their teeth a little bit on, uh, yeah. on 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 Dragonstone and rule it a little bit, right?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that is a little bit out of the way too. Like that's the parallels there are strong because you're not really interacting with a lot of the people you're going to be ruling when you're over in this island, Dragonstone. Like it's 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 shown that way really early on in like Game of Thrones. Even and Stannis is like mm-hmm. the king's brother, but he's just. Gone, and he's just not that far away, but he seems like he's far away because he's on this this island that.
3: And that's what we're about to see, people. right? In the show, is that Dra- Rhaenyra is going to just go Become to Dragonstone? She's going to be isolate herself over in Dragonstone and not really be among gonna, the people.
2: That's going to hurt her claim when it comes around. Is that she's not going to have these alliances and these uh people that know who she is? She'll come a well, little here's bit. here's the off question the
0: that I have, though. Part of the reason that Stannis is so isolated on Dragonstone is because he has to go everywhere by ship.
1: Yeah.
2: Mm. <laughs> if you have
0: dragons, are you isolated? That's on true. Dragon
2: she Stone. doesn't have to be. I think so. That is an interesting point because she's, she's more chooses this. She doesn't want to go interact. She wasn't taught how important it was, for one thing. And maybe it's just part of her disposition. We've seen this when she's growing up. She doesn't, but, she didn't really care about the opinion of the, the commoners during the play. Damon told her why she should, but that's kind of been her attitude. She's like, ah. Well, I think it I extends care.
3: beyond Rainier too though because you I have to look at jason for for example as the heir to the heir and he has a dragon and will is he going to go back and forth to king's landing and dragonstone or just be just as isolated as his mother because I, I i mean at least she grew up in king's landing she grew up in the situation but That's if she true. retreats and takes her young boys to dragonstone then they're not growing up in the court at all really
0: yeah, because one does wonder um, because this period in Fire and Blood like if you actually look at the text of Fire and Blood, this the the sort of period between uh, the Red Spring and the start of the Dance with the Dragons is kind of glossed over yeah, in a lot of ways like we get really specific events, but we don't know what was going on in the interim. And one of the things that I can say based on sort of my reading of it as a as a historical source with scare quotes. Um, is that there's probably a ton of stuff that's just not making it in there.
2: Yeah, it's gotta
0: be. It's because right. what you don't talk about is when things go right. Yeah. Because if you think about the angle that Gildane is taking in Fire and Blood, it's all about how everything was automatically leading toward the Dance of the Dragons, which if you look at, like, for instance, I mean, my my sort of point of view is looking at the way that Martin has written Fire and Blood as him mimicking some of these universal chronicles, particularly kind of the 16th century ones that got turned into Shakespeare's plays. Because those are the ones that it's easier to access. You're not gonna try and find like Gerald of Wales or something like that. You're gonna look for something like or Hall, like one of the ones that's Mm -hmm. relatively accessible through Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. So these sources are compiled. I actually wrote, uh, I wrote a short kind of piece on this um, on my blog last week when uh, they were doing it right after the King of the Narrow Sea, mm-hmm. um, because that was kind of the bit of fire and blood that I found most interesting, where you get all of these different versions of what happened between Damon Rhaenyra and Kristen Cole. Mm-hmm. and. Fire and blood does not specify which one actually happened. Yeah. And the show also kind of melds all of them together so well. Um, and is still incredibly ambiguous about why people are doing what they're doing. Like we get what happened, but we still don't entirely know why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when you look at kind of that period between, I think, 120 and 129 when the Dance of the Dragon starts, um, they're trying to shape that narrative as kind of constant upward action moving into this huge conflagration that's going to happen in 129 when in the reality may have been like everyone working as normal and then punctuated by these moments of violence i
2: think that's um, yeah, that's kind of how i see yeah. it for sure um i, I think what yeah, i don't happen- think
0: it was 10 years of constant fighting yeah, <laughs> yeah right that
2: would be that would be silly in fact in the wiki there's a year there's a, a Timeline page where it kind of scores through every year, but there's also certain years have their own entry where some are just summarized within this on this large timeline piece. The year it goes from the year 111 to the year 120 and then the year 126 because 112 and 119, there's really just a few births and deaths and a few things like that. So that's kind of probably what they were thinking when they were like, if we need to do a time jump, this seems like the right time for it. But we can really see how this is the domino effect here. The kids are going to be training together. Aemon's going to call one of them strong or something like that's going to cause it to come to a head. Harwin's going to freak out. He's going to make it obvious that he cares more than someone who shouldn't be their father. He's not like, why does this man care so much? <laughs> and then mm-hmm. that's going to cause his father yeah. to talk to him. That's going to cause Viserys to talk to him. Rhaenyra is going to be like, okay, we're going to have to leave. And that's when they, Rhaenyra takes herself to Dragonstone and leaves. Yeah. We have shots on this episode of Jace getting a dragon. So you can really follow that through. They get, they decide to leave King's Landing. Jace is like, oh, we're on Dragonstone now. And Rainier's like, hey, my kids can acquire dragons. That will prove they're Targaryens, right? That's to, to put yeah. back this talk of Strong's, like, well, if they can tame dragons, then that'll really prove who they really are. Mm-hmm. So it's actually almost straightforward in that regard when you look at how these dominoes will fall. Of course, that's going to take Rhaenyra away from King's Landing, what we were just talking about, being around the people, being prepared to rule. This small council scene will probably be a brief moment of her participating in the rule before things come to a head, and then she leaves for Dragonstone.
3: A brief moment for us, the viewer, but not a brief moment for her, who's been there for 10 years. You're totally
2: right. Yeah, it won't actually be a brief moment, just a brief glimpse of what was a long, long time. Uh, real real quick um, let me run through the na- the rest of the small council and um we'll, oh yeah, we we'll, we'll yeah. need to do a little halfway break here we're we're, we're covering a lot but we're uh, we're eating up time pretty quickly too uh lionel is hand now as we saw that was last episode allison now seems to be sitting at the small council somewhat regularly she maybe even has her father's mouse ball track ball there yeah it does
3: mm-hmm. seem like the high tower ball
2: yeah lyman Beesbury is still there he's he's old but still around uh, or I think maybe Orwell has replaced Melos. It's not its its not clear, but the voice sounds different. There's like two different new voices, I think. And that makes sense because one of them could be the new Master of Laws. There should be a new Master of Laws now that that hot Lionel was promoted. That could be Iron Rod, Jasper Wiles. I don't suppose they're going to bother with multiple Masters of Laws here. So I'll probably just go straight to him. And then Thailand also could be one of the speakers. I don't—I admit I don't know his voice that well yet. So Lionel, Allison, Lyman... Orwell or Melos, New Master Laws, probably Jasper Wilde, and Tyland, and sometimes Rhaenyra uh, until she apparently leaves. Yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll leave that for now. I don't suppose we need to say much about it. It's just something to set up what we're going to be mm-hmm. seeing. Um, let's talk briefly about what they actually say about the Stepstone some, some of the conflict is set up by Alicent blaming Damon for not defending it, and then Rhaenyra saying <laughs> we should have defended it. And it's just a very straightforward, like we disagree on this and it surely there's lots of other things they disagree on. <laughs> uh because Damon, hey, he, he gave his crown to Viserys and said, hey, these I count I conquered them for you. You know, so they they should have been part of the, the kingdom. Uh, that's her point, I guess. <laughs> uh, off page a bunch of kings have followed Damon as King of the Narrow Sea. I have no idea how they're gonna handle that in so the I suspect it will be changed. But we'll see about that. Any comments on that, Kavita?
0: Uh, I would say, I mean, uh, one of the interesting things is, yes, Damon has kind of relinquished control of the Stepstones. But also we have that line about Corliss. Supposedly taking control of the stepstones, so maybe the reason that Alicent is blaming Damon is she is also blaming Corlys, and because Rhaenyra is kind of the representative of the Valyrian faction as well as herself. Um, Because I think we're starting to get really the battle lines drawn. We've got um, Alicent representing the Reach, representing Oldtown, representing those entrenched interests. And then on the flip side, we have Rhaenyra representing Corliss representing Targaryen's Velaryon's kind of this, this push kind of in an eastward direction, maybe mm-hmm. um, we're trying to make alliances with the free cities is actually a thing. Cause if you look at the way that um, people have talked about the free cities before, it's like, people haven't really been at like, it, it's not really a thing to ally between Westerosi houses and Uh, the free cities before this it's not really been something that people have been doing but it does seem to be something that targaryens do true so that does seem to separate them i think partly because of this whole valyrian heritage the fact that they have this deeper connection to essos than a lot of these other families so they're more open to that idea whereas the other families let's be real there's a lot of xenophobia oh yeah Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) yeah that's for sure Another known change is Harold Westerling. He, in book canon, dies during the 10-year jump uh, that represents the show 10-year jump, but he doesn't here. We know he's still alive. We see him in the dagger scene that's probably next episode or maybe episode eight. Not sure. Yeah, the eye for an eye scene. Yeah, the eye for an eye Mm -hmm. scene. He's standing there, so he's still around. So. His death will make Kristen Cole Lord Commander, though, so it's going to be a big deal when it happens. So they they may have decided to move it for some particular reason, or just move it for logistical reasons. Uh, It's a a little bit of a bummer because Harold Westerling, that actor, is uh, he's a great dude. Yeah, I'm really hoping we get.
3: (laughs) I I really like to get a scene with Harold and Kristen in conversation. I would really like to get Harold's take on what's gone down.
0: I have a rather horrible idea, oh, which really? I hope is not what they're gonna do. <laughs> um, I wondered if they would end up having some kind of conflict between Kristen and Harold mm. after Viserys oh. dies, and that's how Kristen becomes Lord
2: Commander. Interesting. Oh.
0: Just because in the book, of course, it's completely unrelated. It it even happens before his fallout with Rainera. Yeah. That's um, true he's already the lord commander of the king's guard yeah, when fast. they have their falling out in fire and blood at least that's my recollection mm-hmm. um i feel like it's sort of like it happens in 112 and the falling out between him and Rhaenyra is sort of 113 114 it's right before she gets married um and so like because they haven't done it that way and because of course they have graham mctavish so they want to keep him around as long as possible that might be how they do it that's interesting yeah
3: yeah he, yeah he might he might get killed yeah well, he, It
0: might, he might get off wow. yeah he might get off
3: to like especially you know if we have this uh, like the green council like it might be a bloodbath we might like, it, may, it might be him instead and, of beesbury yeah. and, and oh. in addition to he might try to defend beesbury and he has to take them both mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely
2: because beesbury does need to die i think to shut yeah. up the the difficulty and the reach that that indirectly gets Kristen killed himself. (laughs) If the Reach Army wasn't delayed getting north, then he might have linked up with them and not been killed at the Butcher's Ball. Mm -hmm. But that's a a what if. (laughs) Either way, yeah, I agree. That's an interesting possibility that could set that up that way. Mm -hmm. Do you have any... Oh, real quick. Calista Cross says, just popping in again, are y'all excited or intrigued about the actor switch? I'm intrigued. I'm not... It's hard to be excited because (laughs) I miss (laughs) Millie (laughs) and Emily, and I don't know how good Olivia and... Mr. Yet, I'm sure they're great. Like I just haven't seen yeah. them do it yet. So it's just in, we're in that. Middle point where it's like I, I'm sure they're going to be great, but since I haven't felt it yet, it, it hasn't washed over me personally yet. I'm like, ah, oh, I'm still just feeling the loss of Millie and, and Emily, E Millie. What about I was, what about you? I, I was oh. saying
3: I was appreciating um, as these pointed out that he, he kept seeing articles that were like saying goodbye to Millie's Alcock' as Rhaenyra, and people who aren't watching House of the Dragon probably like take a moment where they're like, she died, she died, yeah, yeah. They
2: kill her, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's probably what they think you're right they don't hear they don't read actor swap if they're just looking yeah, at headlines yeah. or whatever yeah. no
0: they're probably like oh my god they just killed their main
2: characters <laughs> like oh it's Ned Stark <laughs> it's very
0: Game it's... of Thrones yeah isn't it?
2: <laughs> yeah like they killed the Danny in season in season one this time that's way different because yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure anyone who's paying casual attention has seen those like show like comparisons of what they look like yeah
0: oh yeah <laughs> and and their hair and the and they look similar and just yeah yeah
2: definitely so I want to ask you this what about um, what's like an equivalent that you see from the King's Guard? like a lot of one of the big topics of discussion we had last week was not just the relationship between Kristen and Rainier and where to assign blame and, and responsibility but like how does he get away with what he did and and can maybe you can frame that in terms of like personal guard of a, of a king they probably have some leeway don't they but uh, maybe some other examples that i'm not aware of what, do you, what what comes to mind for you when you think of the king's guard
0: honestly the closest equivalent i can think of has nothing to do with royalty it's the swiss guard in the vatican interesting mm. okay because there you have a very specific force that is very small extremely selective extremely secretive these guys do not talk about Anything. They're mm. not supposed to. Like it's very much like the Secret <laughs> Service. It always has been. Mm-hmm. And the part of the reason why, like the reason why the Swiss Guard exists in the first place is because way, 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 way back when, um, the Pope was constantly warring with the other Roman noble families for power in Rome. And What the Pope wanted was a completely neutral set of guards who would be loyal only to the papacy, would not Mm. be pulled from the noble families, would not be, would not have any other kinds of alliances. And the, and Switzerland at the time was known for producing very good spearmen. So, uh, the reason that the Swiss, like, so if you look at like, if you even Google just the picture of the Swiss guard, they're still wearing these ridiculous kind of 16th century-esque looking uniforms like and they have a still, giant right? pike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have, they have giant pikes. And so the Swiss guard are probably the closest equivalent I can think of to the Kings guard, because I mean, Kings had kind of their own Royal guard and everything, but it's not the same level of kind of, devotion or perceived devotion i guess Mm. because it's uh yeah because it's this mat it's not just about being a guard it's not just about guarding the king it's not just about being a bodyguard it's about keeping the king's secrets Uh, it's about being completely unquestioningly loyal and that to me smacks more of religion than it does of uh political power interesting Um, or it's, or you can look at, I think the, the example that you guys gave of the secret service is almost as good, even though it's a modern example. I think what George is doing is he's kind of melding knightly orders like the Templars or the Hospitallers, which had nothing to do with being bodyguards, um, to something like the Swiss guard, which is a very sort of small select, supposedly like the best of the best of the best kind of deal, Mm. Um, And of course the Knights of the Round Table, which are their own kind of separate thing. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, the the Kingsguard are basically the secret service. Their, their role is to protect the Royal family, specifically the King in every possible way, which includes protecting their reputation, which is part of how I think Kristen gets away with what he does. Mm -hmm. I think that Alicent in particular is going to close ranks. Um, she like there I feel like this is where that rumor about Joffrey is going to come out. Mm. I feel like this is where the rumors about Lannister and Joffrey are going to come from. Yeah, where uh, the the official story is probably going to be something like this guy made scandalous statements about the princess. Kristen Cole was so loyal to his princess, to his precious princess, that he just went to town and beat him to death. Oops, There's a should to not spin have it. done yeah. that. Oh. And I think that your comment, I think that uh, your comments about uh, sort of Corlys and Rainey's choosing to keep this quiet, not like Lenor probably wanted to pursue Raw. Like yeah. Leynor was probably like, "You got to get rid of this guy. I don't want him anywhere near my family." Yeah. Um, And that might also, and like, I'm sure he wanted Kristen just gone, Mm -hmm. but his parents, especially Corliss, who has this hang up about his son's sexuality, um, probably just said, you know what, it's probably for the best that your boyfriend is gone. It sucks. (laughs) We're really sorry.
1: (laughs) <laughs> i
0: mean i they i don't think Rainey's would do that yeah. i could unfortunately much as i love corley's and i do mm-hmm. based on the way that we've seen him talk about Leonor and his sexuality i could see him do it. Yeah. yeah and he's like this is for the best yeah. of the family this is for the best for your family you really need to just kind of get over little, this guy
2: a little paternalistic or a lot paternalistic perhaps yeah it's what oh, yeah. i know what's best very yeah, that kind yeah. Thing, yeah.
0: yeah i know what's best mm-hmm. i'm in charge this is how we're doing it and um Alicent probably comes out very strongly in Kristen's favor.
1: Yes. And
0: Ramira may or may not know what's going on. Like I don't know how much anyone is going to tell her. Kristen sure as hell isn't going to tell her anything. Alicent isn't going to tell her anything. Yeah. So her only source of information is going to be Viserys. And we don't know how much he knows. Mm. Yep. So um it may be that like that Kristen gets away with it. Primarily because of Allison's influence, but also because Viserys is just like I'm going based on what my wife tells me. It's
2: very similar to Cersei and Robert. Yeah, just Cersei like Mm -hmm. champions Jamie and says Jamie's fine. You got to keep him, you know. And yeah, Jamie's a Lannister, but it's it's if if Jamie wasn't a Lannister and Cersei still championed him, it would probably still have had the same result. She's like she's got she's got her husband's ear, and Robert's like I can't be bothered, you know. Just Uh take the easy way out.
0: Yeah. So Viserys is very similar, especially if she's. (laughs) And especially if she spins it as, like, he's just, he's tremendously loyal. And he did not want rumors about your daughter yeah. to go spreading at her wedding.
2: And she's partly right. He is now tremendously loyal to <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah,
1: He
2: saved him he, twice or three times, arguably, if you count the getting him off of consequences as the third time. Whereas the first mm-hmm. one was not killing him oh, for yeah. his admission. The second one was
0: saving him from suicide and now this. So yeah, she, you would think he would be loyal to her. (laughs) Oh, he's, I think he, I think he's more than loyal to her. I think that it's going to be like a creepy sort of like, quasi religious like you yeah. saved me from death i will defend you and you your saved children my soul yeah like, that kind of thing yeah, yeah. I, I think it's gonna i think when we re-encounter when we encounter Kristen and allison again it's gonna be like super super creepy yeah
2: i think prepare yeah. for Kristen to be a very different person like he was already yeah. we are, yeah. we are, we are, people who had read fire and blood kind of knew what direction he was going but i think this portrayal i think the portrayal is going to shift i think ready for fabian frankel yeah to, to kick it into a different gear here yeah, I mean, he
0: said it at the very beginning, like very early on. He's like, "Oh, Kristen's a thug." <laughs> yeah, he's not. Uh, he wasn't. Missing it's rights. like, oh <laughs> no! As soon as he said that, I was like, "Oh Uh-oh, my god!" yeah, that's bad. <gasps> it's like, whoa. Yes, that's. I mean, I, on the one hand, I'm like, "Yay, you know the character," but wow, <laughs> it's gonna
2: be it's gonna be intense. Yeah, And uh, it makes sense. Yeah, this is a, a guy who, and, and you also could th- see this another way, having gotten away with all that. It might make him feel even more untouchable. Yep. He's like, oh, and also might make him feel, especially if he goes more religious about it, that he he was destined he's to right. do that, or like the gods were on his side. So he feels, yeah, he's going to have even more like I'm a good guy, like self righteousness will I be think, will be all through him.
0: Yeah, self righteousness, and I think this is where we're going to start seeing the divide forming in the Kingsguard. Yeah, which is partly why I wonder what they're going to do with Harold Westerling, oh, actually, yeah. because Hark and Ark have to split Harold. Yeah, Eric and Arik have to split. We haven't really encountered the two of them. Uh, the, only th- the only two Kingsguard knights that we have had any real contact with are uh, Harold Westerling and Kristen. Besides Ryan, and so, dead, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, besides Ryan Redwine, who was only really kind of there. Yeah, he just kind of um, stood there, yeah. <laughs> but it's going to be interesting because here's where we're going to start seeing like the divide that happens within the Kingsguard as well because half of them are going to support Rhaenyra and half of them are going to support uh, Aegon. True. And I feel like that might partly be where we get this, uh, where we get the shift between uh, Harold Westerling and Kristen Cole. Maybe that's going to be connected to that, and we're going to start seeing other members of the Kingsguard start to get more prominent.
2: Very good take. Yeah. I hadn't really given much thought to how this will play out within the Kingsguard, in part because of, of what you said, it hasn't been that prominent other than these two characters, and frankly, Harold Westling hasn't even been that prominent. So, yeah, I wonder. there's an opportunity for that.
3: Yeah, I feel like there's an opportunity, like, Kristen could be part of the the conflict within the Kingsguard. It might not be as mm-hmm. much about which king or queen to support, but I don't want to side with Lord Commander <laughs> Kristen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm.
2: and, and a lot of it's going to be played out by this next topic, but first we have a question here, uh, Shannon0893 what if we get a scene of Kristen reading his white book entry after Harold's death as a way to give the explanation for why he didn't get punished for killing King? Like, yeah, I, mean, I mean, yeah, like maybe. that idea. That I mean, makes sense. You yeah. know,
3: like that. I that could be interesting. It's a good yeah, way like, to do a
2: flashback. Yeah, the white would... book is a good vehicle for that.
3: You yeah, because yeah, Harold had to write some what Kristen has done in there. So, yeah.
2: <laughs> and we do know that Kristen wrote in the white book. I mean, that's well, I, I tweeted uh, yesterday that it's funny how reading A Song of Ice and Fire right now is a total spoiler for... <laughs> for for uh, the house of the dragon <laughs> you get uh danny talking about viserys right away you get the dance of the dragons mentioned and two like rhyme red wine is mentioned that yeah. early too and and the kingmaker kristen cole's mentioned several times yeah so yeah you don't you don't want to actually when i say Valar right now it comes with a caveat yeah, yeah. <laughs> watch out for spoilers <laughs> uh okay so Curtis Frank says, "Brief moment for her. Same with Damon getting exiled each episode and strolling back in in the next. It's actually a pretty long exile, even though short for watch time. That's yeah. a good point. That's yeah, people
3: pretty... are gonna laugh about the idea of like, oh, Damon was exiled and he just came right back <laughs> again. But, but each of these times was like not actually a day. He was yeah. he was gone for a significant period of time.
0: That's true. We just can't tell.
3: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> So some,
2: something that will fuel Kristen even more in his righteousness and Allison will be the strong situation. The ki- the boys they'll be like, okay, so yeah. they're the ones carrying on the the rightful and all ways slash keeping a bastard from inheriting. They can really cast themselves as the good guys here, even though we know better. Yep. Uh, so we get to the training yard where it looks like a lot of it's gonna have just kind of look like Harwin's looking at his cell phone right now. Uh, He's like checking his messages. He's like, let me see what's Uh, going on here. I'm bored right now. But, uh, (laughs) uh, so there's a scene where lion, he's a
0: dad at the playground. That's what he's doing. He's a dad at the playground.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
2: What? It really
3: seems like Kristen is taking on like a, a fatherly figure um, for these for Allison's sons as as, as is like yeah not is is you know at a distance because um, he's sick but you see Kristen is the one training them he's the one um, defending them
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, we're getting, I feel like we're going to end up with a very close relationship between Kristen and Allison. I don't think it's going to be in any way romantic. Yeah, I agree. But I think that it's going to be sort of the two of them in loco parentis kind of raising these kids together. Because we get the impression that Viserys is just ill.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah.
0: Like they, these kids may not even know their dad. Yeah, I believe
2: Viserys is watching them. Yeah, we see here. this shot
3: here of mm-hmm. him and Lionel watching And, and him Lionel together. is probably going to freak because
2: mm-hmm. Harwin's going to freak. And he's going to be like, uh-oh, my son has mm-hmm. just kind of given up the game there. We have a line where mm-hmm. Allison says, to have one child like that is a mistake. To have three is an insult. And Viserys seemingly responds, later in the trailer, these things are kind of mixed up, but I feel like this is the immediate reaction. Viserys says, the consequences of an allegation such as the one you toy at would be dire. And you can see how dire it is. I mean, look at (laughs) what's happening here. (laughs) Uh, Harwin punches Kristen Cole, the other Kingsguard pull him off. I guess it takes both of them because he's so strong. So strong. Uh And Mm -hmm. this, like I said earlier, is going to lead to him being just... Told to leave court to kind of brush this under the rug. That's Lionel saying people have eyes, is probably him chastising Harwin. If you're like, look, son, when you act, when you take it that personally with these kids that aren't supposed to be your kids, people are going to notice. <laughs> it's yeah. like kind of obvious. And then you have later, you have, uh, we'll come back to this, but the big voiceover is Larry Strong saying, you know the stuff about children and how a father is compromised by his son's actions. Very much repeating Otto's situation, except that we don't know that H- H- Lionel pushed Harwin towards this. Still, yeah. it ends up in a similar place where the protector is compromised. The Hand of the King is compromised because of his family is now part of the family, the family, the royal family. Although in this case, it's under wraps. So it's a little more complicated. Um, so that's a question I have for you, Kavita. What are some examples that come to mind for you when and how do they play out in the real world when you have two sets of kids from the same king that are living together with different mothers? And they're both sort of jockeying for position, both within just with their, for, with their father at court and, of course, for the throne. Uh, are there any strong examples that come to mind or anything you can say about this kind of situation from, from the real world?
0: Well, I mean, we don't... The closest example I can think of is not a medieval one. It's Henry VIII. Oh, okay. So it's uh, early modern 16th century. And of course, he had six wives. Yeah. <laughs> Three of them had children. And uh, each one had one child. So we had Princess Mary, who was his oldest child, born from Catherine of Aragon, uh, And she was Henry VIII's first wife. She was the one that he was married to for the longest. Uh, she was the only one who was... Not at any point, like before everything went down, like there was no question about her. She was the daughter of the queen, the king and queen of Spain. She was a very, uh, a match that no one had any problems with, except for that whole thing where she was previously married to his brother. But they talked to the church about that (laughs) and decided it was fine, except later on when it wasn't. (laughs) Um, So, uh, so he had Princess Mary first. And then, of course, as everybody knows, he divorced Catherine of Aragon, started his own church in order to marry Anne Boleyn, who then had a daughter, and he decided that that was not, ex- that was not acceptable for him, <laughs> so he had Anne Boleyn executed and married Jane Seymour, who finally gave him the son that he so desperately wanted. They really do seem to be giving Viserys, like, they. I get a lot of Henry VIII parallels from Viserys here, especially in those early episodes where he was so obsessed with having a male heir, Mm -hmm. like Rhaenyra. I was getting such princess Mary parallels from Rhaenyra. This girl who has been like, she's been there the whole time she's been watching the whole time. She has seen all of these things happen. And she knows that no matter what, she is never ever going to be good enough for her dad. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad. And that is very much like always the, the, um, Uh, The way that I have seen uh, Mary Tudor, especially in her younger years, just this poor kid who, through absolutely no fault of her own, ended up becoming a pawn in these awful political games, Mm. and it just completely wrecked her life. Um, So we have Princess Mary, Princess Elizabeth, and Prince Edward, and it was contentious raising the three of them. Uh, They had, initially they had three separate households because of course the succession was very hinky. (laughs) Um, As soon as Edward was born, Henry VIII said, okay, I have a son. He is my heir. End of story. Okay, there are these girls, but we will figure out what to do with them later. Mm -hmm. And Edward gets older and it is only when Edward is a very, he is a child when his dad dies. And so he... Edward becomes king. And as soon as he becomes king, everyone has to ask, okay, well, who's going to be king after you if something happens to you? Because Edward was also very sickly. Mm. He was constantly ill. And he had, as far as we are aware, the relationship between the three siblings was cordial, I guess. It's really, Mary was much, much older than both of the other two and elizabeth and edward were within a couple of years of each other they were only like three or four years apart um and the two of them shared the fact that they were protestant Mm, as well whereas mary was very 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 catholic Mm -hmm. and so we get the sense that edward and elizabeth kind of got along but also edward was like nobody wanted to talk about elizabeth's mom Elizabeth's mom is like the Bruno of this equation. Nobody wants to talk about her. (laughs) Um, And yeah, I'm sorry. My my daughter's obsessed with (laughs) 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 Incondo. So yeah, like it's it's really um, you can you can you can have households where uh, where all of where three children from three different mothers are raised together. They, there was a period during Henry VIII's kind con- the later part of his reign when all of his children were at court and they were all mostly getting along mm-hmm. and at least on the surface, everything seemed to be fine, but no one ever actually believed it was fine. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so
0: I think the, the answer to the question, the, 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 the kind of short version, I suppose, since I've already rambled a bunch, um, The answer to the question is that it was always fraught. It was always hard. And it always depended on how well the king had been Mm. about either raising his children together. Because there are kings who raised multiple families together and raised the children to support each other Mm. and set things up so that, okay, this kid is the heir. All of you are going to support him. Mm.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And sometimes that worked. There were ways to get that to work. Um, but you had to really kind of be very strong about it, and that's not who Viserys is. He is does. the opposite of that. Yeah, yeah.
2: this guy he just lets things opposite. happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, it does. yeah, Henry the Eighth. Yeah, Henry the Eighth made a lot of really terrible decisions.
1: Yeah,
0: um, and he was capricious the way that v- Viserys is. He would change his mind on a dime, but he also was not a people pleaser the same way. I don't think. Okay,
3: mm-hmm.
2: that's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Right on. Very good. That's a great example. Okay, so I was
3: curious just a just a shout out. Just a, I have to shout it out because people brought it up in the chat. Since you brought up Henry VIII, I want to make sure Kavita that you have seen Six the musical about Henry VIII. And if you have or have not, there is isn't a Song of Ice and Fire version done by uh, performed at Ice and Fire Con. Uh, Queens the musical. And so shout out to that.
0: Oh, I need to watch. Like I, I have, I have listened to the songs like here and there, but I need to just sit down and listen to all of them together. (laughs) I was curious on on your take on it. Yeah, for sure. It. It is on my list. I desperately want to see it. I have yeah. not had the chance. It's especially because a bunch you mentioned of my Tinder. friends have seen ah, it. Ah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, my yeah. sister has seen it. Like I,
3: people keep telling me you need to watch this. I'm like I know, but I'm in Boston. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> I, I watched a YouTube video of it after I watched the uh, "Song of Ice and Fire" take. I was like, well, I want to see what this was inspired by. So I watched a, a, a recording of it, which is not mm-hmm. as good as seeing it live. But uh, uh, anyways.
2: Okay, let's talk about Laris and Allison. It's okay. our last major topic. And, uh, and well, well, these are two. We'll la- talk about couple, Helena couple in here subtopics. too, right? Yes, yes.
3: Okay, that's all I care about yeah. is talking about Helena. I'm and like, we we'll get there, we'll good. get there. Our oh, well, we'll, bug girl. I know. But Laris and Allison, <laughs> our plant boy. I yeah, guess. our
2: plant boy. <laughs> plant boy. Yeah. The plant that he, <laughs> he drew her plant. attention to is now in her chambers, so <laughs> yeah. she has taken to it and apparently mm-hmm. taken to him, and I don't mean romantically. I just mean as an ally. Maybe some
3: people. Uh, um,
2: I guess it's possible, but I don't.
3: I don't think Alison's sleeping. I don't think she is. Yeah, that defines her character. She's about
2: duty. That's one of the things she resents about Rhaenyra. Is the uh, and especially about this situation with Lenor, is that she did her duty and had kids with a man that she was not attracted to. But Laenor and Rhaenyra can't do yeah. what what needs doing on their end, so I think she resents that.
3: Which I mean, She's not wrong to yeah. resent that. Uh, she's yeah. done her duty, and they are not doing their duty. I, like, I, admit, I you know, agree with Allison here. kind of a fair here.
2: point, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do. I don't agree with how Wait. she's
3: addressing it, but I agree with the idea.
2: Yeah, I at least kind of see why she would be bitter about that.
3: <laughs> yeah,
0: like there's... So the... The one thing that I have always, the the parallel I have always seen for Rhaenyra, and I have seen this ever since I first read The, uh, the Princess and the Queen, um, was the figure of Lucrezia Borgia. Mm. And part of the reason why is because of her and Damon.
1: Mhm. Um yeah, there's okay.
0: that very kind of uncomfortable relationship between those two like will they won't they are they aren't they the rumors are swirling around them it's incestuous it's weird it's all of these things um and also the other thing is the the strong situation Um, there were all kinds of rumors about how many secret children Lucrezia Borgia actually had. Mm -hmm. Um, the only one that we are fairly sure about, um, was, uh, one named Giovanni who was officially registered as her dad's child, but the suspicion is that he was possibly Lucrezia's, um, and there is no, like, there hasn't really been, there's no record of, like, what he looked like or anything like that, but he was referred to as the Roman infant, the Infans Romanus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and people were just like, yeah, he's a papal. He's a Borgia. He's a papal kid, but we don't know whose kid he is. Is he the Pope's? Is he Cesare's? Is he Juan's? Is he Lucrezia's? We don't know. But someone in that Pope's family, which for the record, he is not supposed to have in the first place. Yeah. Um, somebody in the Pope's family has a kid. We don't know which one, but one of them definitely did. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: So I am reminded very much of Lucrezia Borgia, who is such a fascinating and controversial figure because so many things were said about her and none of them can be conclusively. (laughs) Wow um we don't even know what she looked like because half of the portraits that have been that are supposedly of her may not actually be of her we don't know (laughs) um the only one that we can be completely sure of is there's one in the vatican apartments in rome (laughs) um called the disputation of saint catherine that one we know is her Mm. but and, and it was her when she was maybe 13 years old but other than that we have no idea And she is this figure who is credited with having poisoned people, having had tons and tons of affairs, having slept with her brother, having slept with her father, having um, had an affair with one of the, uh, the most famous poets of the Italian Renaissance, um, Pietro Bembo, um, having sort of being married to this one Duke who had syphilis, like all of this stuff, all of these racy things that we hear about her. Um, And, we do not know if any of them are true. Like half of them have no basis in any kind of like contemporary facts. Um, And Rhaenyra, the way that she's written, especially with all of these rumors swirling around her, I am so reminded of Lucrezia Borgia.
2: Nice. Yeah. Do you think some of them apply to Alison too? I mean, Alison isn't as similar to Mm Lucrezia, but maybe some of the, still the sources, the way they say things about her, you wonder if there's some of that similar bias, maybe to a lesser degree.
0: Yeah. There's oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think around her, yeah. I guess, for one thing. <laughs> no, Alicent, Alicent is the opposite of scandalous. But what we get from her is because of all these rumors swirling around Rhaenyra, Alicent kind of gets pulled into it in a lot of ways. Mm. It's like, oh, Rhaenyra is terrible. But look at how wonderful Alicent is in comparison. <laughs> it's kind of what okay. we end up getting yeah. like a lot of that fat phobic nonsense about like mm. oh Rhaenyra lost her looks by the age of 20 but Alison yeah. was still looking
3: great after having yeah. all these kids yeah, yeah, yeah. rock and bud, like how yeah, is that static. in the history how is that yeah. historically how relevant is that, yeah. uh, the yeah, Maester's how is that like, relevant I'm uh, writing a list of all the milfs in Westeros yeah. and he's like Alison number one Rhaenyra is right? just like 20th yeah you got these cl- academics yeah.
2: who have grew up in, in a school and never left it they probably haven't uh, had a lot of much of a dating life so
0: <laughs> they yeah. think
2: about yeah. these things uh, I mean are
0: not supposed like to date old, too. Yeah. Meisters are also yeah. one of those celibate orders, so no wonder they're obsessed with Raynera's sex life. They have nothing going on. Yeah. In their own. yeah, it's
2: all it's yeah, it's all very frivolous to them, and they they have no idea what they're talking about. Yeah, so yeah. so interestingly, Allison expresses in a scene in a brief moment of a scene that was released ahead of time. She's basically like, "Yeah, I want my father back as hand because he's biased for me." She's like, I, "I'm I'll just gonna come out and say it. You know, he's on my side. That's why I want him here." Which we were really wondering, and people have been wondering about this since Fire and Blood came out, is Laris the one that kills Lionel and Harwin to get his own lordship? And in this scene, this quote where he says, what are children but a weakness? Through them you imagine you will persist forever, but for them... You surrender what you should not. It really sounds like a guy who's about to kill his own father. <laughs> or at least could be, given that we know his father's about to die. So, and he says, a father compromised my acts of a son. So, you wonder... I mean, you could definitely see why someone else would want to kill Harwin and Lionel to yeah. keep the secret. Yeah. So... It's I a great go, mystery.
3: Cause... I go back and forth, Aziz. I, 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 on yeah. our Wednesday stream, I felt like I I, I felt convinced that maybe it was La- Laris, and then I thought about it more, and I'm like, I don't think it was Larry's after all, <laughs> I, I, I really vacillate back and forth on whether I think Laris was both involved or the... uh the, the, uh, impetus for it. Cause there's, there's, those are two different things. Like him just being involved and agreeing to it are different from him coming up with the idea or deciding to. Yeah. Do and it Allison
2: wants it. her dad back there, which would mean the removal of Lionel. But how does Har, Har, uh, Larius know that killing lionel will bring back Otto. that's that's like step one but step two is completely i mean it kind, separate. Of, it
3: kind of brings me to uh it's funny enough because th- there was uh Viserys when he was all lost in his paranoia and he's thinking about balon being killed and how Otto then was hand within five days later yeah um, like yeah. Otto wouldn't have known either but it's worked out the same and
2: it's the same kind of problem where you can't have full trust in him and it's like well now i'm not sure about that yeah i'm not so sure i can trust you anymore even though i have trusted you to this point now you're compromised i
3: guess like uh, we've talked about it a bunch you know, where do you land on on laurice's involvement it's a bit I, yeah. it could go a lot of ways i think but do you have a thing you have a thing you think and do you have a thing you want like those are different sometimes
0: I have well, I know what I want. My pet theory mm-hmm. is one that is completely out of left field. Oh, I sure. love it for a variety of reasons. Um, and this is that um, so my thought is that Larry's was involved with the murder of his dad and Harwin. Mm-hmm. And that there were a variety of reasons behind this, at least one of which was that Harwin was being too bold. He was compromised. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was starting to become too dangerous for the strongs. Like if having your kids that close to the throne puts a target on your back. Mm-hmm. Um, And also, I think that Laris just didn't approve of it. I feel like he is very much kind of falling into, like, we already see him sympathetic to Allison. He's taking he always, the green we already side, already whether or not, Yeah, of, yeah he, he's already leaning towards the greens, because he has that comment he makes to Allison about how much he misses Otto. Mm. How much he thinks Otto was doing the right thing. How he believes that Otto was a good hand. Yeah. And this is in spite of the fact that his dad is the one who replaces Otto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. so to have him say that I think is very clearly setting up that he is going to at least start this fight on the green side. Yeah. He,
2: for whatever reason, and, I totally agree. I don't know. I don't know that we understand yeah, his motivations, what, but yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't know that he's necessarily the driving force behind them getting killed. I feel that he might, I, I think he has to be involved. I feel like that's part of the reason how the way that it happens and the way that it happens so smoothly is because he's involved. Mm but um i think he's involved and i think my pet theory starts actually after the death of lionel and harwin um and it is that before otto gets reinstated Viserys and this is there's a throwaway line in fire and blood viserys considered making rainera his hand uh, like there's a it's a throwaway mention yeah. it is like half a sentence Viserys, some say Viserys did this, but no, he decided to bring back Otto Hightower. And I seized on that first half of that line and went, mm. oh my God, what if he did? And so you think about the ramifications of that, you think, okay, Rhaenyra has just lost her husband. She has just lost Lena. Uh, Daemon has just lost Lena. Like both of the Valyrian siblings are dead. They both died within weeks of each other. We've had that, awful incident with Aegon with uh, Lucerys and uh, Aemond and Rhaenyra has not yet gotten together with Daemon so far as we know right mm-hmm. so she hasn't upset I her father will, with that one she has not yeah. and I feel that Viserys considers making Rhaenyra his hand decides not to for some reason whether that reason is Alicent Laris, whoever yeah. <laughs> somebody yeah both someone convinces him not to he reinstates Otto as hand. That makes Alicent, Larys, and the Greens happy. Rhaenyra is furious about this and goes and marries Daemon.
2: Uh, this could be part of why she leaves. Maybe, I, maybe it's related to yes. separating her children. I
0: think it's part of her departure. Yeah. I think it's part of why mm, she... I think the main like reason it. she marries Daemon is because Viserys passes her over. Interesting. And chooses Otto Hightower.
2: Interesting. That definitely fits. And, and so like she it.
0: sees Daemon as a way to shore up her own power.
2: Mm. Right on. Okay. Yeah, that, that works. I mean, it's referring back to Laris. I think it, it, that also makes a lot of sense because if he's taking the side of the Greens, he sees his father taking the side of the Blacks, and his brother is fully involved yeah. with their children. Oh, yeah. His that. brother
0: is like straight up in the middle of the nonsense. Yeah. And it's super and ironic. He's all, his brother, he and he's his brother, because he thinks And his brother is also, yeah. yeah, he's also interfering in the succession. Yeah. Like harwin is literally committing treason, treason by sleeping with the queen yeah. like by sleeping with the heir to the throne
1: <laughs> exactly what i Kristen mean Cole did.
0: depending on how like <laughs> <But what? laughs> i i look at it and i go well the the claim to the throne derives through rainera therefore it doesn't matter who the father is but also everyone cares Yeah, everyone does yeah. care and that
1: does
2: and matter. especially
0: yeah. Alicent is going to care oh, yeah. and she is going to talk about how much she cares oh, yeah. to everybody who will listen yeah, yeah. It's and,
2: <laughs> it's super yeah. ironic that Lari's is like I'm the smart one. I believe we should be on the green side, and it's gonna yeah. not gonna work out for him. Yeah. He's gonna switch. He's gonna try to switch no. to the blacks at the end, and and it will almost work. But Cregan's gonna be like, no, no, mm-hmm. no, nope. nope. not even definitely not you. Not even the sea snake gets away with this. <laughs> like he's like <laughs> none of y'all. Anyone who switched sides at any point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah, like whatever it is, though. I mean, Alice Rivers is definitely involved
1: mm.
2: in the
0: fire. She is mm. absolute. Like Ooh, I absolutely one hundred percent believe that. Alice Rivers is involved.
2: That's a great idea. I don't know
0: how. But like she's their per I feel like she's their person on the ground. Mm. Like she's their person like she's the only person who's there
3: at Harrenholm yeah when Someone all has this to do it. Yeah, Laris yeah. isn't setting that fire because yeah.
0: Laris isn't there. Yeah, yeah I wonder like- if that's something Larris we could find
3: out after, after the fact. Because I don't think we'll see mm. Alice this season. No, I, you know, I don't think so like, we will. So, like mm. would we would that be one of those things that you just as as a viewer we can extrapolate and be like, Well, Alice was there and we know that she would have been you know or will be the bit that be the sort of thing where Alice has a conversation with Larys or with someone where and she's then later on. On. and then you mm-hmm. find out this information. Oh,
2: yeah, we actually do get a shot of the Hall fire and yeah. then a shot of the aftermath where they're carrying out a body and there's smokes and flames around mm-hmm. and wearing yeah. it's funny cuz the the soldiers are wearing green. Yeah. They don't have sigils but it's I yeah. really can't Maybe imagine they're making sure
3: that everyone is dead. Yeah. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah, so there you go. There's the shot of has got yeah, it on screen of, now. Uh... Yeah, so I definitely wonder about that. It's
3: smoky out there, it looks like.
2: Let's talk briefly about Mushroom, Kavita, because you've got a fun note here. (laughs) Uh, In the bit about Laris, talking about later in Fire and Blood, he just is more and more brazen with what he says he'll do. Laris is like, yeah, we can just ally with the sea snake and then kill him later once he does what we need. He's very, later in Fire and Blood, during the war, he's very brazen with his suggestions on how to betray Mm -hmm. people. He's like, yeah, King, just pretend to be on his side then we can do whatever we want later but he's like a betrothal isn't a marriage we can always break it later just this is just a move it's not a commitment so he gets
0: he's taking Machiavelli too far yeah he goes full-blown
2: yeah and he, instead and this this stage he's keeping that all under wraps later he does he, he breaks out with it but the line from Mushroom is a man who gathers whispers can spread them just as well, referring to his being a rumor monger as well as a rumor collector. And it's his rumor mongering that might do more damage, probably does. And so we got, we got, we're going to have a lot of opportunities throughout the rest of the run of the show to be like, did, did Lars do that? <laughs> and you have this great idea that even Mushroom is a facade of sorts. This is cool. Go ahead and tell people about this one.
0: So this is like just a half-baked idea that I that I was thinking about when I was listening to the, uh, the half-season recap episode in the car the other day. Because um, I'd been wondering it for a long time because Mushroom is like, I can tell, I can see who George has based it on. It's very much kind of Suetonius. That is the vibe that I get from Mushroom. Because Suetonius is the Roman historian who spilled all of the tea about the later emperors. You want like Nero and Caligula and Claudius like he is the main source for I Claudius, which is a source that George yeah. has talked about a bunch oh, of yeah. times including in the interview he did uh, with yeah. you guys. Yeah. He loves so, I Claudius. He yeah, he loves I Claudius and I Claudius the main contemporary source for I Claudius is The Lives of the Caesars by Suetonius. And Mushroom has a very Suetonius voice. Like He always picks the most scandalous, the raciest, the sexiest uh, interpretation of everything Um, or the one that involves the most murder. (laughs) So like, yeah, especially if someone can be having sex and getting murdered at the same time, that's what Mushroom is into. (laughs) So what I wondered, is Mushroom even real? The testimony of Mushroom only survives in a few scattered in a few supposedly scattered manuscripts. Um, Gildane claims that he copied it into his text and then hasn't seen, like they most of them were burned by Baylor. So there's no, uh there's nothing to be, there's no original. Mm-hmm. Um Mushroom is very rarely mentioned. Like, is he ever mentioned in anybody else's accounts? I don't think he is. I I think we only ever get Mushroom talking about himself. No one else mentions him. So what I wonder is, is Mushroom even a real person or is Mushroom a pen name? And is this actually written by somebody else? I
1: love it. <laughs> um, and there's actually yeah. a
0: great, yeah, there, there's a great source uh, for the last couple of years of the Wars of the Roses that are that is supposedly called the second continuation of the, of a monastic chronicle, but is very clearly written by a guy who was at the court, like (laughs) the things that he knows and the things that he mentions are not something you would know if you were not physically in the court, watching stuff, being there for things. So we don't know who the guy is. There's a lot of speculation about who he might've been. No way of knowing for certain, but it is listed as a monastic chronicle. It was stored in a monastery. They did not find it until 300 years after the death of Richard III. Oh. So like, wow. this was a chronicle. So this was a source that was not available to Shakespeare. This was a source that was not available oh. to any of the 16th century chroniclers writing about Richard III. Mm. It only pops up much, much later. And it is one of those sources where a lot of the stuff he says, there's no corroboration for it. It's the only source that has this information. Huh. And so I I wonder... Is mushroom even real?
3: Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. I, yeah. know, I think that's a great, great <laughs> yeah. concept that I honestly hadn't thought about before. But no, I really serious. like the idea of someone being like, "Oh, I, I want to write about this stuff that I experienced or that I heard about." Like a little picture of both that they saw some stuff and then they didn't want to put their name to it. They didn't want. They didn't mm-hmm. want that. So let's come up with a moniker, a pseudonym, and like didn't, if it's race, you know, I, I really like the idea.
2: Didn't George use that? For one of the other in-world books, like, isn't A Caution for Young Girls, isn't one of the suggestions that Caution oh, for yes. Young Girls was not yeah. written by Coriann
0: Wilde? So yeah, we already have the is, idea. Oh, yeah.
3: That concept is there with that. It's Absolutely. Nice. Very
0: cool. Oh, yeah. I, I when I taught, uh, I taught a graduate seminar, actually, on where we used Fire and Blood as one of the texts. Yeah. Oh, and nice. I actually had cool. one of my, one of my students wrote the most amazing Analysis of a caution for young girls based entirely on what were provided in Fire and Blood. She talked like here are like four different manuscript versions, here are all the different there are the differences between them, here's where they were found, here's how they were put together. She created all of this stuff. It was such a great paper. I loved it so you must have had so much fun with that. Yeah. 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 I was so pleased. It was exactly what I wanted from the assignment. (laughs) Um, she also, this same student also wrote a fantastic piece on the murder of Jahara Targaryen. Oh wow! Uh,
2: yeah. So she, uh, she's that's... in. She's in there. Yeah. <laughs> she so my is. my theory yeah, on mushroom is. isn't nearly as cool as yours. It's just that the cameras aren't pointed down low enough <laughs> like if they were to angle a little differently you'd see him he's actually been in every scene he's been there the whole time but... i would
3: love to see that edit that someone makes yeah like,
2: it's oh. like the mushroom edit
0: all you see is everyone's feet yeah
2: <laughs> his knees lots of knees and
0: <laughs> so a couple of like the opposite of the snyder cut yeah. <laughs>
1: the mushroom <laughs> <thoughts>. yeah,
3: the... <laughs> <laughs> mushroom cut oh that's a different sort of thing i have mushroom <laughs> cut <laughs> yeah okay a couple of ra-
0: mushroom cut they have to only show on paper yeah you have to be
2: on mushrooms to watch the mushroom cut yeah, that's not, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or to understand it right all right well a couple of random thoughts before we say goodbye today we've had a nice run oh yeah but it's uh it's, it's getting to be about that time We're, we're wondering how some of the green stuff will play out. Allison, of course, is imparting on her son that he will be king. But here's Helena, our first shot of Helena. She um, is a bug girl. You
3: see right here. She is. I, she I is lightened and girl. zoomed in on her box. She's got a box with like a scorpion and some <laughs> beetles bugs. and like leaf insects. And in her hands there, she does have a giant millipede. People have wondered if it was like a snake or what, but yeah, a millipede. And so yeah, critter, girl, Helena, bug yes. girl. Which like, I mean, we critter hear girl. that Jahero is a little a little different, a little odd, a little maybe neurodivergent, and so that's Helena's daughter, Jahara. So I feel like this is not not them taking something from nothing, in other words. Like, they ha- like, we have, and this is something I said before, like, we have nothing on Helena's personality, really, at all. So they really get to do what they want here. But I feel like the decision to do this with Helena is actually like that there is a lot of like, text that it's rooted in because of the Jahara thing and because of Helena. For me, I, I'm like with her dragon being named Dreamfire, like that's who she, um, who, who she pairs with i wonder how much helena's having dreams like is helena oh, a, a dreamer, dreamer? that's my thought is that helena is a, is a very haunted that girl. Idea. um of bugs. yeah so that's that's what i think and so i would be very curious if helena talks to her dad about this if, if helena has a vassari oh. scene like i'm Ooh. like i'm so excited to see what they do with helena oh i already was gosh. excited and this is a good first start right
1: yeah
0: Oh, that is going to be heartbreaking. Like I all like Helena. I already just like, there are very few people on the green side that I like, but Helena is like the one person I'm like, precious baby girl. She did nothing wrong ever. Yeah. Um. Like I, I think literally she, she did
2: nothing wrong. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know of a thing know, she, did she did wrong. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah you're right. <laughs> no. She did nothing wrong. Yeah. Poor, Helena. Poor Helena. She doesn't deserve anything that happens to her.
2: And she's going to have to marry like, her brother. I wonder if they're going to start to talk about this or whether that'll be more of an episode seven yeah, that's, thing. That's, or...
3: what, that's what Allison's saying. She's like, put down the millipede. Yeah. Stop being gross and marry your brother already. <laughs>
0: Be curious. I will be very, very curious (laughs) to see how Allison gets around her anti-incest.
2: Yes, me too.
0: Yes. Because even in that scene, like the one scene in episode four where she was confronting Rainiera about the incest, about Damon, and that like Emily Carey, I just I cannot get over her in that scene. She was so good. Yeah. And like her micro expressions and the disgust on her face, the way her lip twisted at that word sullied. I was just like, oh, this is everything.
2: Yeah. We talk but, about face acting. She has lip like, acting, particularly yeah. the way her lips move and when she's upset. That, yeah.
0: <laughs> that scene alone, it explained so much of what happened afterward. Yeah. Like if you pay attention, like anyone who thinks that Allison going, uh, Allison's heel turn was not foreshadowed in that scene was not watching oh, that, yeah. scene, it was very, that scene. It was absolutely oh, yeah. right there. <laughs> And like, cause she's see, it's almost like she's seeing Rhaenyra through completely new eyes. Now that she has this information about Damon, she's like, Oh God, you really are like your uncle and not like your father. Yeah. Because yes, like Viserys and Amo were cousins, but nobody seems to really have a problem with that. Um, and at least, I mean, cousin marriage, like for marriage between first cousins, was a thing. Like, pe- it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't encouraged. People preferred to avoid it where it was possible, but it was a thing that royal uh, families that was did.
3: Also, the case for Ned yeah. Stark, right there, cousin marriage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, cousin marriage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, cousin marriage. Like yeah, it was, his it's his his not
2: parents, Tywin yes. and Joanna. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
3: yeah, Tywin and Joanna. Yeah, Tywin yeah. And Joanna like
0: it's yeah. all very, it's all very normal, but. The the niece uncle thing, especially because you can tell, like even from the get go, Allison is never comfortable around Damon. Yeah, like, yeah, she doesn't like Damon it. is like, and I think it. I think she gets it from her dad. I think Otto, but I think you were the one. You might. I don't remember. Uh, I, I heard it somewhere. Someone was like. Otto hated Damon on site. And I love, yeah. I think you guys were the ones who had the theory about Damon being like a snot-nosed kid. Yeah, yeah. I think we, yeah. It, was a,
3: it was a Joe magician we had. We had someone on who was, uh, who was talking yeah, about that. Yeah, someone was Absolutely. like, Damon is a
0: snot-nosed kid yeah. in the Red Keep harassing Otto because he would. Like, that's totally yeah, Pushing back
2: against do. the authorities. Yeah. If
3: you're an adult yeah. Yeah. who meets young Damon Targaryen, you probably don't like that kid. Like, probably oh, God, very no. and few especially, adults liked him.
1: No, good
0: point. <laughs> very few. And pro- I mean, <laughs> Maybe not. and Otto is a Puritan.
3: Like, yeah. the way that he's costumed, even
0: from the get go, he doesn't look medieval to me. He looks like Francis Walsingham. He looks <laughs> like huh? Robert Cecil. He looks like an Elizabethan Puritan. Yeah, <laughs> if you're right. You're absolutely look, right. His, the, 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 the facial hair, yeah. his hair, his Outfits. He looks Robert like as well. <laughs>
2: both yeah, both of them. They all got their big the like religious symbols yeah. in there. Yeah,
3: Some of those big hats, and from other people too. Like they, they yeah. Did yeah. clearly put that in the background of some of these scenes. Yeah, like it's. I I love yeah. the
0: mishmash of styles. Like obviously there's high medieval going on, but also there's like a bunch of Elizabethan stuff creeping in all around the edges, and I love it. Well, so much so but much of the Byzantine is, era too,
3: as well. Lena, yeah. Lena's
2: necklace that she was wearing had the the triple mm-hmm. kind of Pervert, like kind of like Rainier's necklace. It had oh, wait. triple fold. Yeah. Really,
3: I I got to pull that up because that is too funny to me. Because I'm just picturing that like Damon, like Damon, Damon, Damon has, has a bunch of a, those. Yeah, no, that's, that's, this is a different necklace. Yeah, this not is, this is not it's, this. It's necklace. the
2: one from last episode. Uh, it, episode it was five. Savannah Stainsbury. I don't know that. Uh, I don't know that it's in this episode. Well, it, it I'm it still be.
3: gonna look at the picture just because I want to. see I
0: just think that's funny. it's a golden It would one be it would be great if Damon has like five of those necklaces and
2: he gives ba- it to all his ladies. That would be funny. It's like I give them to all my girls. Oh
3: yeah. <laughs> that one, that one, I remember, I I, that one was girls. very like, uh. I, I remember looking at that and thinking it was very sea snake, very Valarian-esque. Yeah. Like that, like the curves of, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah. It might be seahorse. Yeah, oh, yeah, let's see over here. Yeah, because like yeah, that is Rainier's what it makes off me think of like early early a, a, a like a very abstract, uh, abstract-looking seahorse tail. But yeah, seahorse it eating its
2: tail instead of a snake yeah. eating its tail. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> seahorse eating its
0: tail. <laughs> Different kind of Ouroboros. Well, that's what yeah. happens when
2: seahorses mate with dragons. They start <laughs> to take on that serpentine behavior. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: yeah. So I think I think maybe what'll Push Allison towards having her kids marry is seeing when Rhaenyra goes back to Dragonstone and her kids start to get dragons. She might be like, that might be that might intimidate her. Like, okay, if her kids are going to try to if her kids have dragons, I need our kids to have dragons. We need to be even more Targaryen than them.
3: So my question is, I mean, what will cause her to reject the Helena? Because like obviously the a clear solution and one that I believe is mentioned in Fire and Blood is the idea that Jace marries Helena yeah you, there's yeah. a girl there's like, yeah um and maybe alicent in her head is like no i don't want helena Rye. marrying uh, a, that, a bastard that, that isn't yeah, yeah <laughs> marrying yeah. a bastard that's <laughs> that's just gonna make things more complex because Aegon is like mm-hmm. i i feel like it'll be proposed and alicent will reject yeah. it for whatever reason Curtis yeah.
2: frank says it's an arms race yes it is very much an arms race it's it's it hate, an arms race. Hate, it's a hateful arms race that's why i think mm-hmm. alice would never mm-hmm. do this if she would if she didn't hate rainier or hate where things were going she would never ask you never been in a position where her seven worshipping ways would bow to Targaryen yeah. customs and be like, yeah, I'll marry my kids together. Like, mm-hmm. she would never have done that otherwise. I mean, she may yeah. have been forced to, the- if, like her husband was like, you've got to do this, but...
0: Cause the yeah. only reason Otto even brings it up the one time is because he's like, I want a way to make egg on the air. Yeah. And the only, maybe the only way to do it is to marry him to Rhaenyra, so that Viserys, like to kind of slip it under the rug for Viserys. Yeah. I think
2: for Otto, it's ambition. And for, for Allison, mm-hmm. it's paranoia and hatred. Um, yeah. Which. Is leading him to the same kind of, yeah, she uh, might and Otto implanted might that kind of, paranoia and hatred in her. Yeah,
0: Otto implanted it. that. Like, yeah. Otto is 100% yeah. the reason for Allison's paranoia. Absolutely. Like, yes. I, when I was rewatching episode five, like the scene at the beginning between the two of them, it made me so mad to <laughs> rewatch. Yeah. Because everything he tells her is not true. Like, yeah,
2: or, or it's heavily she, exaggerated. Maybe a seat. Or of two, it's like, heavily yeah, she exaggerated. Might kill like your kids. I don't even know about that. Like, yeah. there's no reason to say it's a definite. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, there's no reason. And and the other thing he doesn't tell her like, Viserys didn't fire him because of Rhaenyra. Yeah. Viserys fired him because his comp because his judgment was compromised. Yes. Yeah. Yes. That is why Viserys fired him. And Otto does not tell Alicent this. And as far as we can tell. Viserys doesn't tell Allison this. No, he, so he, this is also he part leans of into Sarah it. He's called. like,
2: you got me fired. Oh, <laughs> He's yeah, like, basically.
1: Yeah. No,
0: you're right. You're... <laughs> Sorry, I have a dog. Let me okay. let, me, absolutely
2: let, let me adjust this dog. So what? Uh, we have Go only on. a couple things left. <laughs> this shot of a guy in prison. What is that about? I wonder. Maybe I guess we'll oh, yeah. figure that out. Well, it looks uh, like the black cells. It, it's it's this shot. It comes up while Larry is doing his voiceover. Oh, don't know who that is maybe we're not supposed to know who that is but i guess we'll find out there's also like a knife being heated up probably some sort of torture Sorry. preparation so that looks like uh, unpleasant but i'm not entirely sure what it's related to maybe it's getting information out of someone who yeah, may I, have witnessed something yeah, or
3: yeah i was guessing that that yeah we're seeing laurie's being master whispers and seeing people in a jail cell that's my theory now, is that we're seeing this the is
0: laurie's yeah, go ahead. The knife being heated might be uh, childbirth oh. related, though. Oh, oh it yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. 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 We true. might get another C-section and mm. it's not going to be good. <laughs>
2: that's true. I wonder. Um, yeah. And also, Laris's first role in book canon is that he was the king's one of the king's confessors, which isn't that sometimes synonymous with torturing? Not always, but sometimes. Yes. Okay.
0: The, yeah, the term confess like, that's the, the way that they describe confessors in Fire and Blood. Like, it seems to me like a combination of people who work for the master of whisperers and or torturers. Damn. Like, because con- the term confessor, like, the medieval term, like, confessor and priest are the same thing. Like, this is someone to whom you confess your sins. But here... I feel like confessor is being used in the sense of get confessions out of people. Mm. Yeah. Yes. yes. Not, not so, take confessions. Yeah. Like a, yeah. Like yeah. A, not no. taking confessions. Yeah. Not not, they're not they taking confessions. Yeah. They're taking. Yeah. 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 They're,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're making. Yeah, exactly. No, we're not yeah.
0: taking confessions. We're taking. confessions.
2: <laughs> right, yeah. So yeah, we'll see about that with that heated knife and that prison thing, whether they're related or not. Mm-hmm. I'm very curious about that, but not much, not much we can do, but, but wait and see Yeah. in
1: terms of that.
3: Um. All right.
2: Um, right, so any... can
3: I, I would love to go through just real quick and say a couple things about a couple images I wanted to put. Oh, great. Up. Yeah. Do it. Um, one, mm-hmm. this is a shot of Rhaenyra's wedding cloak from the HBO House of the Dragon oh, site nice. that shows the Valyrian <sighs> sigil beautiful. on one side and the Targaryen on the other. Um, we, we didn't really get a good look at it in the episode, so I wanted to take a moment to mm-hmm. highlight this, um, really beautiful work there. Um, with, it kind of gives us a glimpse at the quartered sigil that Rhaenyra might eventually take, or maybe she does a half. Version and doesn't do the Aaron um, in her sigil um, is my theory on that. Then maybe they don't throw the Aaron part in. Um,
0: the Aaron thing is interesting because when mm-hmm. I was rewatching, one of the things I noticed is that they do a bunch of shots in the first episode of Emma's ring.
3: Yeah, and mm-hmm.
0: Emma's ring, I am fairly certain has the Aaron uh, sigil yeah. on it.
2: It looked like that to me.
0: Um, too. And then the ring at the sigil actually reappears in the opening credits.
3: Mm, yeah, yeah, right, that's, that's, that's her, her emblem her for Emma's. Sit, yeah. yeah, for Doing Emma's space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. yeah, that's a that's a good catch for sure.
0: And so I was actually looking for the rest of the. But when I was rewatching all of the subsequent episodes, I was actually looking to see if Rainera ever wore that ring because mm-hmm. it would be just a very easy, very sort of. Subtle touch to make, but I didn't notice it. Okay. So maybe if anyone else has, yeah. or if anyone else has, like, cut to- higher resolution screencasts, <laughs> see, but- the,
3: see the, the real terrible thing will be if you cut to it and you see that Allison is wearing the ring. Oh, god. Oh, oh, that <laughs> would oh, hurt. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> <laughs> <And> Viserys, why?
1: <laughs> <laughs> or
3: maybe Viserys is wearing it actually. Oh, I do not
0: know for that. Viserys might be that. That would be, nice. oh, that be, be really, repen- that, that would be very nice. He really did love her. Yeah, there's no, he did like, I. No I mean notwithstanding how ha- like notwithstanding that I 100% disagree with all of his actions concerning her <laughs> I do think he did care about
1: yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah, yeah,
3: agree. I, I yeah. agree. Um, so yeah, I wanted to go through just real quick all the shots and just uh, put them on screen. We have Rhaenyra and the council, Amund, and this is him looking at a dragon. Yeah, I forgot to mention yeah, this one. Had, this um, is from
2: the very early trailer, so we're getting that scene this time. Yeah. Um, and he maybe is going to flirt with getting his own dragon, but we know he doesn't yeah, get one until Vhagar. Yeah, he
3: doesn't get Vhagar. Yeah, this is not Vegar mm-hmm. This is a dragon that's able to be indoors, so we know for a fact this could not be Vagar. Also, Vhagar is off in Pentos with Lena. Yeah, yeah, that would <laughs>
0: reasons. Um, we get- Maybe it's whichever dragon was in his crib, because oh, yeah. presumably all of them got dragon eggs, and we don't really hear about the. Uh, we don't really hear about Viserys and Alicent's kids. Yeah too like we don't get the detail the way that we do with rainier kids and their dragon eggs
2: i think that they didn't get dragon eggs early on i think that they were Mm -hmm. allowed to choose adult dragons and that i think was the earlier custom i think the dragon egg in cribs custom wasn't established at this point i think this may have been what established it because i think they were it was like like others have pointed out in calling it an arms race they're trying to give these kids get ready for the inevitable succession crisis that's coming. And it's very sad that like Raina. dragons are being,
0: They're Raina was up. the first person to do the dragon eggs yeah. thing. And we'll yeah. see her. She put one. Yeah. Um, yeah.
3: As we see right here, she's cradling her egg. Well, she cuddles with her, her pregnant mother. You're Lena.
0: talking about
2: Raina.
3: Oh, I'm Raina, yeah,
0: talking about earlier. Yeah, Raina. Raina. Yeah, Raina. Yeah, Raina Dreamfire. She put a, re- she put an egg in. Oh, who was it? Was it Aliceane? I think it was Alice Sane's, uh, mm. uh cradle. Cause there's this reference in fire and blood when, reina is young she's the person who decides okay i'm going to get a dragon's egg and put it in the cradle of one of my siblings i don't remember which sibling it was it might have been jaharis it might have been alisane mm-hmm. but it was one of her siblings i, think, I feel like yeah. that's how it went i
2: down. don't think i think Vermithor may have hatched before jaharis so i think that mm-hmm. makes it but i think silverwing was yeah i think i think that fits yeah Hmm. Yeah, our, someone here in the chat, Arya Saxena says the dragon eggs and crib was established by Reyna.
3: Yeah, and so go. and so then we <laughs> will see her later, her later namesake, uh, Reyna with the dragon mm-hmm. egg, and that's where we'll see, uh, also where we'll see the- these eggs in uh, braziers. Um, Christina K
2: says it was Alton and Jarett did get both get eggs. Okay, okay she did it for both. For All problem. right, cool. That's good. Um, no wonder. All and right so then. yeah,
3: so we will see lots more of this dragon egg and the hatching and this, the dragon stuff. Um, so that'll be, be really interesting. Um, <laughs> we also, as we said, we saw Aegon. Here's more with Reyna, Blana, and Damon riding. Um, there dragon is Vermax. Um, vermax. for mm-hmm. Jarett's. Um, we don't know what to... this scene is about. They're yeah, standing yeah, out yeah, there In the in his. And his his night pajamas, yeah. yeah. I'm not sure what what disturbed them. Joffrey there, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, might might be them finding out about some terrible news. Uh oh, You know. Yeah. Um, potentially. I I don't know. It looks like she's still creating the baby. I'm not sure. We got Lionel, Viserys looking decrepit and very old. Harwin looking very sexy, as always. Harwin, Bruce, and even Kristen. sexier when he beats up Kristen Cole here. <laughs> um, looking the yes. best he's ever looked when he, he beats him up. Um, <laughs> I do not condone violence, but in that case, maybe a little bit. Uh, but no, I really like the reaction. I condone violence against <laughs> Kristen Cole. <laughs> I really like the, the, the these kids. We got um, Leo Hart is who plays Jaceris uh, And then Harvey Sadler is this, like, chung, chubby, cheat like... The younger uh, Luke, um, so we got those two, and then we got baby Joffrey, there he is. of yep. course. Um, so mm-hmm. a maybe... little pug nose, yeah, <laughs> uh-huh.
2: they chose the right kid. We got Viserys still
3: looking at his model, <laughs> yep. Um, and then the scene where it looks like maybe this is now that's Jerys, I think. A gloved yeah, I mean, hand. You mean Viserys? Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Viserys. Talking yes. Yes. to Viserys. Um, maybe telling him you're
2: going to be the yeah. the the heir, you know, and all that. This throne will be yours. Oh. Yeah.
3: Uh, A nice scene with those together. Uh Alice and Lars, which we talked about, and the prisoner. Uh I guess
2: Sunfire could have been someone's pointing out Sunfire could have been a crib egg too. It's like you said though, it isn't well
3: Sunfire might in, have been. I don't remember. Yeah, I think, it's Sunfire, not well I, 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 think in I looked it up recently, and it was. It, it seemed to me that Sunfire was a little had to be a little bit older, but I forget what pointed okay. um, that to me. It was something about like him taming. I- I'd have to check, but it w- didn't seem obvious. Bears further yeah. research. Yeah. But look, I-, I also note that the scene of Jace taking his dragon, like he looks like so delighted about getting his dragon, but then one of the shots is the dragon <laughs> torching like a little lamb.
2: Well, that's what that Sunling. is. It's, yeah. a, it's like a
3: little like you can see it here. It's yeah. like a Go a lamb or whatever, but like oh. it's very symbolic. Like the, the idea and like he's like lamb grinning and yeah. doing this. I'm like
2: he's the one being sent to the slaughter. It's like
0: that scene in Jurassic Park with the velociraptors. Yeah. And the yeah.
2: this is too yeah. much
0: yeah.
2: weapon for a child.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's like
2: arming yeah. a child. Like we've we've <laughs> called dragons in different contexts, nuclear weapons, B fifty two bombers. Are you really giving that
3: kid? Yeah, this this kid, little dude. Yeah.
2: You're giving him a dragon? You're giving these two these dragons? Bull? Like yeah. I don't care well, how good of boys they are, they shouldn't be wielding yeah. nuclear bombs. I mean, in that like, Yeah.
0: Yeah. Rainera was a dragon rider at age seven. Yeah. That's what they do. <laughs> and she's like as far as I'm aware, she's the youngest. Uh, yeah, it's yeah, not the For youngest. For the dance. You're right. So uh, it wild. is wild. I have a six year old. Uh, the thought mean, of <laughs> a year from now, uh, riding a that dragon. Is- <laughs> Oh my god, I no, 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 my no You don't even want them going on no. a
2: roller coaster, let alone yes. a-
0: yeah, I'll put her on a roller coaster five, like I'll put her on a roller coaster, put her on a horse, whatever. But oh my god, no.
3: no. <laughs> Um, and so, yeah, so we'll, uh, I think we'll, what'll be interesting is we'll probably the placement of these scenes, we'll have, we'll see exactly why these boys should not have dragons, because we're gonna see this training yard scene where they're all fighting each other. Like, I agree with the laws of go the kids shouldn't, him a dragon. yeah,
2: I agree with the laws of the kids shouldn't have firecrackers, you know, like, <laughs> this is a lot <laughs> yeah. more f- flame-inducing and creating, and yeah, oof.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and we also know from Viserys, like, how much you control the dragon is at least partly dependent on the dragon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like,
2: <laughs> we saw with Balerion and Arag. How you much can't is Aemon always...
0: controlling Vagar, mm. and how much is Vagar controlling Aemon? Yeah. Like, <laughs> does the yeah. bond
2: like impact the dragon rider's personality a bit? Like, is it a two way street? It's,
0: it's, I'm of yeah. the opinion. I I think it does. Mm. I I think I we it. get hints mm. of that yeah. because I feel like we see that with Damon and Caraxes.
2: Yeah. I think so too. Mm-hmm.
0: I feel like Damon and Caraxes is kind of the best, one of the best examples of seeing kind of the the back and forth intertwined relationship between the dragon and the writer, where like the dragon influences the writer and the writer influences the dragon. Because before Damon wrote Caraxes, he belonged to Eamon, he belonged to Jahari's and Alisane's eldest son who wrote who wrote him into war with in the stepstones again it's the fucking stepstones <laughs> um, it's always the and stepstones. so yeah it's always the stepstones um so the so we have kind of this dragon that is already ridden into war and then Damon claims him when he's like 16 or something like he's relatively young he's not as young as Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra is like alarmingly yeah <laughs>
1: um
0: but uh like i feel like Damon, like because Damon and viserys both claim their initial dragons when they're teenagers i feel mm-hmm. um and viserys of course gets balerion and the balerion immediately dies yeah. um yeah and he we never get the sense 15, that yeah, when he got him yeah and we never get the sense that viserys tried to claim another dragon
2: no we don't
0: Though we could have like there were plenty of them around oh, he could yeah. have grabbed yeah. any number of them but oh, yeah he could have, have had the next bothered. biggest
2: one he could have had Vagar. yeah
0: he could have <laughs> taken Vy- like i think at that point Vagar his
2: dad at that point mm. I think uh, oh
0: um,
1: cause
0: yeah cause Vagar, like no, or maybe no yeah maybe, Vagar, no, Vagar was written was, by his no. dad his
2: dad died in 101 and mm-hmm. then then he was open but it, he, if he had claimed a new dragon before 101, Vagar wasn't available. But yeah, mm-hmm. he went dragonless from like 94 on until 129. Yeah, so 35 years of being and for dragonless. the entirety of his
0: reign yeah. too.
2: Yeah, which is a little easier I, I'm I glad. I was glad they inserted that point about him being a little uneasy around dragons to kind of explain mm-hmm. that. You know, yeah. that was it does. A like no, I mean there. the
0: well, frankly, if you're the or your only experience riding a dragon is the Black Dread. <laughs> um
2: yeah, might be I can see how
0: either all other dragons would be disappointing or, no, this was too goddamn scary. <laughs> be... yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: There were yeah, probably yeah, some I'd ropes towards... on Balerion, too. Yeah,
2: yeah
0: you're right. Probably <laughs> I bet there were ropes some, on yeah.
3: Balerion. But no, I, I do lean towards the second um, interpretation, given Viserys is uh, how he is in House of the Dragon, at yeah. least, um, for sure. And it has me it does has had me wondering about... What kind of information the, the the people who pair with the dragon get from the dragon, and what kind of memories and things are are communicated to them? Because again, like Vagar has seen some stuff, like
1: yeah, so like the idea stuff. of mm-hmm.
3: Amon ha- being tapped into that at all is super interesting. Like, a, like it's super interesting. Vagar
2: w- was part of the destruction of Dorn. Like going around torching lots of things, which he, Eamon, will repeat.
3: Yeah. Uh, the like, the Riverlands. Oh, I know how to do this. It's like I've done
2: this before in the uh, desert. It's much nicer here in the Riverlands. It's
3: like that one
0: meme oh, yeah. like of, the, of the old lady. Yeah, I know the exact <laughs> meme. Which made talking me so about. sad. It's like,
3: it's it's Aemond, like leading around an edit of an old lady like Vegar you know? And like, <laughs> vegar's like, like, like what are we doing now, Visenya? You
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> it's so uh, sad. We're in the
0: Riverlands.
3: Yeah. Uh, like,
0: it's so funny, but it's so yet. sad. Like, I feel so bad for, like, my old old grumpy lady Vagar. Like, <laughs> yeah <laughs> I feel so bad for her like she's old and she's grumpy and she just wants to be left alone <laughs> eamon yeah. why can't you just leave we her alone?
2: were almost <laughs> gonna see her in episode two we had to wait now we get to see her tomorrow <sighs> so look forward to that enjoy everyone yeah uh, and with that I
3: mean, we gotta say tomorrow. goodbye yeah, Absolutely, is, uh, Got a, nice a, little, a little bit over our yeah, usual it's, it's link nice, that's okay though. <laughs>
2: that's that okay it's definitely okay we got a lot of real world uh education today fit yeah fit was very nicely thanks very much dr kavita mudan finn for coming on and talking to us it was a real pleasure and we learned a lot a lot of people in the chat said the same thing they yeah. said i learned a lot
3: today <laughs> yeah we did
0: and uh well oh, thank you yeah. that's my goal
2: right on. <laughs> tell people where I to like find YouTube. your blog
0: and anything else I'll, you want to point I'll their drop attention a link to link
3: in the chat but for our podcast listeners let, let them know where to find you yeah
0: yeah, uh so my blog is at kvmfinnfinn.wordpress.com. Uh I have been doing recaps of all of the episodes of House of the Dragon thus far plus a couple of just sort of general essays as topics strike me. Um I end up writing a lot about history and historiography and the way that fire and blood is written. Mm-hmm. Um and the reason that that happens is because that that was my that was my research. That's what I did. So um, I end up writing a lot about fire and blood, but that's not a bad thing.
3: No, so. we, well, definitely yeah. not.
0: Definitely we not. Yeah. Yes, everyone very
2: happy today. Oh, we um,
3: got we got you are an S tier guest from Dom Tartaglia. That's, that's that's as you know that's the highest oh, of the tiers. So that, that's well, a quite a compliment. Thank you. I appreciate uh, it. No, I was really excited uh, to have I, you on. I've a like we. Uh haven't had you on before, but I knew that you had listened to a podcast um in the past, and so I was really very excited for this.
1: Yeah.
0: I have been a lurker for many men for a while now. Right
2: on. Well, thanks everyone else for attending live today. We appreciate your presence. We appreciate you listening. We appreciate your comments and any thoughts or theories or ideas you have. Uh, thanks to Michael Clarfield for our awesome maps and our older video intro for our newer video intro. Thank you to Bran the Builder, Bran Winslow for that, both okay. the music and the video. Thanks to <laughs> Joey Townsend and Jesse Koval for our regular History of Westeros theme music and outro music. Mm-hmm. thanks to all of our lovely patrons who, um, both supporting us on Patreon and on Spotify subscriptions that number's been growing as well either one mm-hmm. is a way to support us and get bonus episodes and bonus content so check those out if you are so inclined and we until next time unless there's any final thoughts I,
3: I think we're good we covered right. it all cool. I can't wait for tomorrow mm-hmm. like, every First week half. I'm like So I just can't wait. I'm so excited to see... Beginning of the second
2: half. New actresses, new (sighs) actors, all this new stuff. Ten years. What a thing. I guess real
3: quick... What are you each most excited for tomorrow before we go? Just Vaggar. tell me about Vegar, Vegar for you. Yeah. I'm, I'm most excited. Elena. I'm excited. Elena. Oh, for Lane. I'm more excited. I'm most excited to see Helena as it turns out. I it's funny. it's yeah. funny because I've been saying I love Lena so much every week, but I'm so intrigued by this critter box. So, uh, yeah, yeah I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, let us know in the chat what you're most excited for, uh, tomorrow. Yes.
2: Alright, folks, enjoy the episode. Thanks again, Dr. Kavita, and we will see you all soon. Valar, re us. Watch out for spoilers, though. And Valar, rewatch us.